Ladies and gentlemen, our next event of the evening is a one-fall match with a 60-minute time limit. What I'd like to have right now... With a big boys play. This is where the big boys play, huh? This is where the big boys play. This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com. The only place to be in your pop culture world. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to Where the Big Boys Play. I'm here with Chad. How are you doing, Chad? Doing good, Parv. How are you doing today? Very good. Uh, we're, we're, we've made a change from our usual recording time. I, oh I, my god. <laughs> I hate to break the uh, fourth wall here, Chad, but... Uh, what time is it there for you uh, this evening? It is, uh, it is currently 3.59 a.m. Uh, my time. I mean, that's late even for me. It's usually me who's uh, up in the middle of the night. but uh, And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's currently 9 a.m. here. So, um, you know, I'm a real night owl, Chad. Yeah. I'm not usually up at this hour. So. <laughs> yeah, so I, I slept... Um, I slept about four hours, and then I woke up and started the New Japan show. Uh, about an hour on delay, but we had worked out this recording schedule where I could watch the last half of the New Japan show while we record. So I'm dedicated to the cause. <laughs> well, what? Which cause? This one or the New Japan one? <laughs> both, both. Pro wrestling in general. <laughs> I'm a devotee. So, um, well, why didn't you explain what we're going to do today? Well, this is the uh, final show that we'll talk about with 1991. Um, which has actually almost been a calendar year of our shows um, all together. Uh, but uh, we're going to do our wrap-up show where we've, I think we've selected 11 TV matches to watch. We, uh, I pulled the Twitters and got some recommendations, and so we took those and uh, watched some of those matches that were recommended and some of the other matches that I'd watched previously that I thought were highlights for the TV matches. So, we, so we're going to talk about 11 matches of those, and uh, then we're going to do our kind of end-of-year awards. Uh, got a few awards, Wrestler of the Year, Top 5 Wrestler of the Year, uh, Top 5 Match of the Year, Best Show, Worst Show, kind of those uh, cherry-picked Observer Awards that we'll do just for WCW-centric. Yeah, and um, I actually think including the Arn versus um, Tommy Rich matches, twelve matches. Okay, okay, yeah. Twelve, and uh, yeah, where the big boys play fifty nine, the nineteen ninety TV special, end end of the year show, February the ninth, two thousand fourteen, wow. and it is now February the eighth, two thousand and fifteen. Uh, so. And I and well, I mean. Um, my wife's uh, sister's birthday is February the 9th, so I do remember recording that TV special like the day of her birthday, and we had her party last night, so it's kind of <laughs> always books ends. Great. Okay. Well, I mean, so this is gonna, is this the schedule we're going to keep now, Chad, year for a year? <laughs> I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that we'll get through 92 earlier, uh, but... Well, you know, we uh, shall see because there is more shows one in '92, and uh, I don't know with that TV. When we get to the TV special in '92, we may actually have to do two shows. 
because I can I can see twenty matches pretty easily uh, to put on for the TV stuff. So yeah, well, if you talk about great years and great promotions, ninety two WCW. I mean, since we started this chat, I've been waiting to get to this point. So right, uh, I guess more on that next time. Um, okay. Well, why don't we why don't we start uh, our little um, TV roundup then? Uh, okay. We're, we're looking at uh, the first match we've got Barry Windham and Arn Anderson taking on um, Brad Armstrong and Tim Horner, February the second. Um, and when, when you first sent me this match, I was like, "What, Tim Tim Horner?" Uh, but um, <laughs> apparently so. So why don't you uh, give us some thoughts on this one? Uh, Barry and Arn in the early part of the year uh, had a pretty good little tag team going and worked a, a few longest TV matches. They they had a actually a series with these guys. I've, I've seen at least two matches between these four people. And uh, I think this was the better one, the best match of the bunch. But but this is, a, I, I think, just a really good, solid um Kind of your underneath fiery baby face versus established heel tag team match. Uh, and I think you get all the staples of the horseman and especially Arn as a tag worker within this match. The match works out where uh, after kind of a quick shine sequence, there's a there's a really long face and peril sequence with uh, Brad Armstrong as the face and peril. And Brad Armstrong, uh, with both of us, Parv, has been someone that has, I would say, been less than impressive overall uh, in his yeah. Where the Big Boys Play appearances, where, um, I mean, I don't know if we would say he's been actively bad, but he certainly hasn't been like a can't-miss prospect that you see thrown out a lot of times when that discussion happens and somebody that was parentally underrated or whatever. Um, so, but here I thought he did very good working, uh, underneath and really selling sympathy. Horner is, a, I, w- I would say, honestly, essentially a warm body in this match. Yeah. Uh, he gets, he gets the hot tag at the end. He does fine, but he's mostly working on the apron and he does okay. But I mean, I, I, I think this is mostly an Arn Barry showcase. They work really well together. Um, most of your own tag team signature spots, like I said, with the blind tags, he does his great uh, sunset flip spot where he makes the tag. And uh, actually, he like walked with Armstrong almost the whole entire length of the ring to do that spot, which was impressive. Yeah. Um, the, the finish is kind of weird where you still have Doom running out there to uh, intervene. Yeah. Which which you thought that that feud was kind of on the on the decline by this point. It was like 1990 making a cameo appearance here. Yeah. Right, right. It was very weird, kind of a holdover from the end of the 1990 feud. But uh, <clears throat> overall, I thought. I mean, I just think this is like a really fun match that kind of shows the depth of uh, Arn and Barry as a worker that they could have this type of match. I went three and a half on this one. Um, I mean, it's it's just 15, about, about 16, 17 minutes of a match, I'd say. And then um, just just really good overall, showcasing a couple guys. I, th- I thought this may be the best Armstrong's looked, honestly. 
Um, and I, I really enjoyed it. It was a good way to kind of ease into the set of matches, I thought, because it's something that I, I think as we go along, like 1991, WCW is really looked at pretty badly. Um, but I think as you'll see with this batch of matches, they certainly had highlights on the TV. So I think this match kind of highlights that notion where this this kind of looks like a random throwaway match. But I, I mean, if this was on raw, I think it would certainly get some, you know, play and acclaim, um, today. Yeah. Um, I exactly the same rating as you, Chad, four and a half, uh, three and a half. Oh, I was going to say bored. Sorry. <laughs> I've, I've written three and a half fun. So, yeah. exactly the same uh, as you. I love the face and power sequence by Arn and Barry working over Armstrong. Um, it was actually a surprise to see how long he went, like how much he was kicking out. You know, I mean, he got a spine buster. He got, like, the. He basically, you know, Arn and Barry went through all their signature offense, and Brad Armstrong was still kicking out. Um, right. So, I've written, like, this was a kind of tag version of the. Um, of this typical kind of Sam Houston JTTS match against, you know, you'd think of Sam Houston against Flair or like, um, you know, in old WF they had uh, Rick McGraw, you know, that, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, semi jobbery guy. Um, you know, on paper, Armstrong and Horner look a bit jobbery, but they surprise uh, Arn and Barry for how long they go. The only thing I thought, though, is that what are we meant to think with Tim Horner, you know, standing there as the hot tag? Like, even if Armstrong makes that tag, what is Horner meant to do against these two? Right, right. <laughs> but, um, no, it was fun. It's, uh, I, you know, you're right, Horner was essentially just a warm body. Um, I did write in my notes that were non-finish, really. They couldn't they couldn't give Arn and Barry a pin here. <laughs> uh, what, setting up the uh, rematch between these two teams. Were they really protecting Tim Horner here? Yeah, that. <laughs> But um, no, this was a this was a good way to ease in uh, to these matches. Um, so, uh, should we go to our next one? Well, yeah, just real quickly, I'll, I'll mention that just Arn and Barry as a team overall, it's kind of I thought they could do they maybe I guess deserve better. I would say, and I mean, because right around this time is when they had that black and white vignette. Uh, of them kind of in the, in the junkyard and, and it, it's, it's really well done. Like if, if you haven't watched it on YouTube, uh, it's on there. It's, I'd recommend it. You can just type in like Barry Wyndham 1991 and it'll come up. Uh, it, it's one of the most awesome actually like vignette segments. I think WCW ever did. And probably. I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely recommend seeking it out. It's it's really cool, um, and I, I mean I know you like that up close stuff from 1993. Yeah, a part that just just kind of is sort of under the radar. Um, this to me is like along those lines where it's, I mean WCW I don't think is typically known for having great vignettes. Um, We'll get into it with like probably more of the later uh, a part of the decade, but the way they filmed them from the point of view is very frustrating, especially in like the Nitro 98-99 era. The point of view is just like the hanging camera and everything kind of looks very phony. 
Yeah, and I think some of your, you know, your WWF fans would think first of things like I don't know the White Castle of Fear. Or yeah, the yeah. Wrestle trap, you know. Right, right. So there, there's those vignettes later in the decade that just are not typically remembered, but are not good. But yeah, if you if you think WWE, WCW vignettes overall, you're probably thinking of White Cheetah the Midget. You know, that's kind of where your uh, thought process goes first. Um, so so it's kind of nice to see this on the flip side of that because I think this certainly hangs with anything WWF produced. So. Well, I will look forward to watching that. Uh, yeah. It looks I can see a Four Horsemen video as it comes up on YouTube. So Right, right. Um, okay, well, let's, uh, let's move on then. We're, we're going to go to March uh, 10th, and it's um, Sting... Taking on Larry Zbysko um, in uh, quite a short match. Chad. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm always weary with ranking this one because this was a match that, again, when I was going through 1991, I saw it come up on the match listings, and I was I was like, oh, okay, you know, that, these are two stars that I couldn't remember a singles match between these two. So I was like, that's probably why it's on there. Um, and then I've, I've watched this match like three or four times since then. And it, like if, if we started talking about like Chad's kind of personal favorite matches, th- this one would be on it. I, 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 there's just something about this match that really resonates with me. Um, I, I, I think it's the way Steen presents himself in this match because I don't. I mean, I don't think there's many instances either before or after where this Sting wrestles like this way. Um, so Sting comes in immediately and starts kind of laying blows in on Larry. So so if you're one of these, Larry Sapisco always does a stall. Um, th- this is a match where that didn't happen. Uh, Sting didn't allow it, which I, I thought was cool. Like Sting uh, would not let Larry up. He locked on a sleeper. Um, he gives Larry like this great punch where Larry goes into the ropes um, and actually hits the middle rope. Um, and then Sting gives him a big boot, just really vicious and relentless Sting was in the early portion of this match. And Larry, his selling, I think, really pervades that well, where you thought you, you really got the sense from Larry's face that he was overwhelmed. Uh, he was kind of staggering around, looked completely winded and kind of punched drunk. He'd throw some uh, weak punches and stuff. Uh, Larry's final. I've written in my notes here, Chad. Um, great sprint brawl and uh, pretty unexpected from Larry in 91 to work this match with no stalling. Right. <laughs> like, this was very under norm. I, I would say, honestly, for both people. In this match, uh, Larry finally is able to get some offense when Sting tries to scorpion, and then he he just goes to work. And uh, I, I, on Twitter, someone asked what the King of the Mountain spot was, and this would be one I would throw up as an example. Um, so your King of the Mountain is when someone is on the outside of the ring, and uh, the person inside kind of refuses to let them get in. So when they try to slide back into the ring, they get kicked. Or uh, basically, you're just kind of the king of the ring, or king of the mountain, so to speak. It's usually a heel that does the spot. It was very pre- uh, happened a lot in AWA. 
in the AWA stuff we saw, it was kind of a, a very generic heel move that they would do that spot. But but Larry does a great one here, I thought. And Larry's offense throughout this sequence, I, I wrote it was very kind of Lucha Rudo-ish, where <laughs> there was a lot of punches, kicks, and choking going on. There wasn't much wrestling. Uh, he was kind of just doing everything he could to survive. Uh, locks in the abdominal stretch using the ropes for leverage. He really was uh, killing Sting on the outside, throwing him into the guardrail. Um, but then Sting makes his comeback, hits a great Stinger splash, and he locks on the Scorpion, but Larry is right on the ropes. And then and probably, I would say, the moment where Sting throughout his entire career looks like the biggest badass, he won't break. Uh, so he ends up getting DQ'd because he will not break the Scorpion Deathlock. Hmm. And then he ends up throwing the ref and pushes uh, the fir- the ref of this match is Nick Patrick. So he, he throws Nick Patrick out of the ring and then comes Randy Anderson and he throws him out of the ring. Uh, so, so um, I mean, it, this is only, I think, what, like seven or eight minutes? It's, it's a sub-ten-minute match. But it's one of my favorite sub ten minute matches of all time. I'm I'm weary with the rating because again I have like complete unabashed love for this match. So I do go three and three quarters. But but this is definitely a match I would recommend watching. That I I don't understand why it doesn't get enough play. Um, it's short. I think it really kind of goes against the the uh, the rationale and or kind of the established tropes of Sting and Larry, where you think of Larry as kind of a um, stalling old school heel and Sting as a athletic uh, baby face where here we see a viciousness from Sting that is very uncommon and Larry sells it and works well too and I, I, I really like this match a lot. It's funny you mentioned that King of the Mountain uh, spot, Chow, because um, I associate that with Nick Bockwinkel, because mm-hmm. um, he, he basically did it a lot uh, in the AWA. Right. And um, this match actually reminded me of uh, a couple of matches that Larry had with Bockwinkel. Yes, it did, me too. And it made me think, is Larry Zabisco one of the better short match workers of all time? Because... <laughs> um, like, he has a short match with Bock, which goes sub-10 minutes, and... Uh, Again, you know, it's a really good, you know, eight-minute match. Um, there was something about the way that uh, Larry worked this has actually reminded me of some of his matches with uh, Bruno. Uh, it's like something about the grittiness of the of the style that he was working. Um, this was like, you know, it seemed it didn't seem like it came from WCW in '91. This match, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean, um, it just something about the way that they were working it. It was really like gritty and. Uh, you know, it was in, it was an intense brawl, but one which had kind of yeah, gritty would be the word that I used. Um, but I, I went three three stars. Um, I don't know if it goes. I don't know. It's weird uh, rank uh, rating short matches, uh, Chad. And I, I know, I'm never sure what to do, but you know, three stars. That's not a knock on it though. I, you know, it was very good for what it was. Um, I, I did write here. Where is this Sting? Yeah. Um, we don't see Sting do this very often. I mean, he is coming into one of the best stretches of his career. 
right. at the moment. But I think it's fair to say that both of us, Chad, have been down on Sting in general. Um, so it was good to see him actually have a decent performance here. And it did seem to me that he was taking it to Larry. So I don't know if, like, they had a talk out back and Larry said, you know, you know, tonight when we work, do it this way. Or whether this was Sting himself bringing it. But either way, it was refreshing to see Sting actually change up his uh, formula a little bit. And, um, yeah, and uh, the finish obviously reminded me a little bit of Bret Hart, Chad. Because I'm sure I've seen Bret Hart do that. You know, not releasing the sharpshooter thing. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it was it was just like a really cool move to see Sting just be a badass. I, I don't know. I kind I kind of likened it to Magnum TA as I was watching. Um, and yeah, I know, I just felt kind of like one a real rugged move that you don't see from Sting very often. Yeah, and, and rugged is a very good word to uh, describe the style of this match. Okay. So um, let's move on. It's April the 6th, and it's uh, Barry Windham taking on Flyer Brian. Um, now, just before we get into this, Windham and Pillman, Chad. Um, mm. You know, people will have seen the list of matches that we're watching on the, you know, on the show notes before we even get to this. Um, fair to say they're all over this TV stuff. Yes. And uh, that interests me because, you know, just from watching the supercards, just from watching the, you know, the pay-per-views, they're not two names that kind of stand out for the year to me. To me. And yet, yeah. from watching the TV, they seem to be two guys who you couldn't possibly overlook. So I, I just find that interesting, the way that, you know, the TV tells a slightly different story from the supercards. Right. And um, it, they really, I guess, well, neither one had... I can think of off the top of my head any good Clash performances. I don't even know if Wyndham worked Clash right off the top of my head. Uh, but um, it feels like Barry's not around. Yeah, well, I mean, he at the end of the year he's doing half the uh, injured arm stuff. So I mean, he's not on Havoc. He's right. wrestling. He's not on Clash Seventeen wrestling. Uh, so, so that's part of it. And Pillman, at the end of the year, struggles too because he has that Richard Morton match at Havoc that's not good at all. And has that weird match at Starcade with Abdullah uh, and Sting that a lot of people like, including Stephen Graham, who's on our show with us, but we didn't like. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, they, they started out okay where they have the great War Games opening sequence and... Their Super Brawl match is good, but short um, together. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, I mean, I, I should have mentioned this when you were talking about Art the Arn and Barry team. Um, Arn was the TV champ. Mm-hmm. Um, but and but he uh, he was still kind of tagging. I didn't really get... It's really weird, that period of, uh, of 91, where it's like those two are tagging, but Arn is the TV champ, and... Um, the horsemen are kind of together, but they're kind of not. Right. It's like, it's like those two and Flair, and there's no fourth guy. Um, or, or is uh, Sid the fourth guy? No. Sid, well, Sid started as the fourth guy, but then he bolted for the uh, WWF. In, in fact, Chad, should we, should we very quickly do this Tommy Rich on Anderson match? Because that's from March the 30th. Right, right, yeah. Oh, that's oh, actually a little bit ahead. Um, yeah. 
Okay, we'll backtrack. Well, let, let's very quickly do this uh, Arn versus Tommy match because chronologically that would be the third match that we're looking at here. Um, and as this match started, um, I kind of watched it. We watched this one last, right? Because somebody recommended it. This was a match that was recommended by Tim Evans on Twitter. Um, yeah. It was one I haven't uh, ever seen before. Um, I, I mean, I, I think I think with this batch of matches, just personally for me, part of this was on the lower end. Yeah. Um, but but it was a pretty good, I guess, workman style match. It was nice to see Arn have a TV title defense. In this mold, where he this is essentially kind of when I think about the TV title in WCW, this type of match comes to mind a lot with the with the heel being the champion, having a baby face, get some offense in, and then the heel kind of running out the clock, uh, so to speak. Yeah, no. Well, I've written here there was something. It was almost like it was really weird for me as this match started, Chad. I don't know for you. Look like Tommy Richards stepped out of a time machine straight out of like 1984 or something. Like, he was back like with his long blonde hair and baby face, and I guess we'd like used to see him in the York Foundation at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. He didn't have the ponytail and the black kind of chaps or whatever that he was wearing in his York. He's still a wildfire baby face. So, so uh, this must have been like not long before he turned. Uh, yeah. Pretty soon afterwards. Um, so yeah, that, that was kind of weird to see, and I also thought like the match itself was like straight out of like I don't know like textbook 1986-1987 TV title formula match. Basically, it was like an old uh, Crockett style TV match, basic TV title match. I thought. Yeah, um, yeah. Rich dominated a lot. Um, Kind of the first 10 minutes, I thought he pretty much had like 90% of the offense with punches and stuff and was kind of working over the leg and uh, somewhat and locked on the figure four, cranked it in. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you see, um, you saw Tully work a lot of matches like this back in the day. Mm-hmm. This would be the typical kind of uh, Tully style TV match. Um, it, I thought it was weird to see like Tommy Rich booked as strongly as this. Um, Considering like where he was on the card and who he was facing here, what did you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I guess Rich was always kind of a, a guy in the early years of the '90s with WC. Well, really, up to when he became a York Foundation, where he'd be put in some situations like this. I mean, he had the match with Luger uh, for the U.S. Championship, so every once in a while he'd be thrown in as like a contender. Uh, and then they would conjure up that he was a former world champion or whatever, but he, he kind of seems like a, a pretty underneath guy, but I, I don't have a problem with him on one of these. Because WCW, I mean, around this time, they had a lot of shows. You had Main Event, you had Power Hour, you had WCW Saturday Night, um, you had the syndicated Chicago show. Uh, so, so in some networks and areas you were getting five hours or so of first run wcw programming a week uh so so it's it's kind of not too crazy to think about them having to run these little mini feuds and just to keep the names out there um yeah i mean and this is sort of like two veterans going out there uh, and I, i wouldn't say they were working at max capacity for this match, but um, 
kind of their baseline. They had their baseline match against each other. Yeah, I was, I was actually kind of thinking that if you look over the history of the TV title, they really used Arn as like a placeholder champion quite a lot. Like, right. like back in like 86, he was, you know, TV champ for a while. And then again, like back in 1990, he was TV champ again. And now he's TV champ again. And it's kind of like, I don't know, he's almost like the champion when there's the focus isn't, there's no real focus on the title, if that makes any sense. Yeah, they almost did with him the TV belt, what they did with Flair at the World Belt around this time, where if somebody floundered, like Z-Man, when he won the TV championship, they just went back to Arn. Yeah. Like how Sting failed with the World Championship, so they just went back to Flair as like a placeholder till they could find the next person that they wanted to be the new guy. Yeah. Um, I didn't think that much, you know, this was just kind of all right, you know. Yeah, I mean, I went two and a half. It was it was fine to watch, but I, I thought of this batch of matches, this kind of felt uh, pretty low end. So yeah, I, I and you know, I do kind of feel like I've seen a lot of these sort of performances from Tommy Rich, um, like during this babyface run of his. Um, mm-hmm. You know, remember it back to all those ninety ninety shows where you know he'd just be in a random kind of mid mid or lower card match on a pay-per-view um yeah i, I, I don't know it, may, it does make me think that like let's say they put rich higher up on the card do you think he could have mm, I, I, I don't know i don't i i don't think so at this time honestly uh there's something rich is a kind of a fascinating worker overall um, because I think he got over well and really made himself a lot more relevant than you might think going in. I mean, kind of, I would say Rich's reputation right off the baseline for a lot of people on the internet is, he, you know, he supposedly gave a blowjob to win the NWA championship. Like, that's kind of his rep that he was a hot star in Georgia and then, that happened and he had the belt for a few days and that sort of made him. But I, I really think Rich was smart and kind of reestablishing himself. I mean, I'm thinking back to ZCW stuff where he was completely overweight and could completely be a non-factor, but yet he made himself relevant by just embracing the FBI role. Um, then even here in the WCW, like he kind of has the corner, the market cornered on the, a mid card that can hang in the upper mid card if need be uh, as a veteran role, um, no matter if he was a heel or a face. And so, so that's kind of interesting, but I, I don't know if his ceiling was that much higher than that. It's like he maximized his position well, but I don't feel like he was kind of being under pushed with his position either. So. I do feel like Tommy Rich is one of those guys who, like, I don't know, like, Will is higher on than uh, than I am, for example. I don't know. Um, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I don't... I, I like him a lot. I mean, I like him a good bit. I don't... Like, for the greatest wrestler ever, I don't think he'll make my top 100. I would be surprised. Uh, me, me, me too. Um, and I'm also not sure, like, 
you know, as 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 we'll see in the last battle of Atlanta or something. Or do, he probably had a Memphis run that I don't know about, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, his, him in the eighties, I think, is probably his what would be presented as his bread and butter. Yeah. Um, but but I do know that I mean like Dylan I know loves him in the FBI and he has a lot of fun in that like I I wouldn't undervalue that uh, and and in this, in this WCW stuff I mean I don't he's he's definitely had some nondescript performances I'm thinking about that Starcade tag where he did nothing when he teamed with Simmons yeah. that was just an atrocious tag so he, he's not had slam dunk performances for sure every time out but i mean in like in this match i thought he was fine he wasn't exceptional but he wasn't embarrassing either but but like as a basis comparison i feel like terry taylor had more standout performances um mm, yeah I, I would say the 80s if you watch some of that with the uh the memphis kind of the law the lawyer versus idol and rich feud that would probably be the highest you would get on yeah okay all right well i, I mean i don't think taylor ever reached that ceiling um right. but, but yeah like in 1991 I, I can see taylor having just as many good performances and matches as yeah. uh rich sure. okay um well, let's let's move on to this Wyndham versus Pillman match then from April the sixth that we were going to talk about. Um, yeah, what did you make of this one? Oh, let me get down to my notes, but but this is a feud that kind of kicked off with the uh, with the opening stanza and War Games, and it went to Super Brawl. So so pretty short lived feud, and that's unfortunate because. I think it's a great feud. Um, this was the match we picked. I do think this is probably the best match of their feud, but they have a couple more overall TV matches. I'd, I'd kind of recommend seeing the whole series. Uh, they they all sort of play the same role where they're they're not very long, but they're very kind of violent and story driven. Uh, so, so Wyndham immediately takes over and punches away. Pillman floats over and hit an arm drag and then starts really working over Wyndham's arm, uh, which I thought he did a great job kind of cranking it up and was riling the crowd up. Wyndham acts very wounded with that arm <laughs> in a pretty good dick move. He offers a test of strength and then punches him right in the face and begins taking over. Uh, <laughs> Which, which I thought was great because usually with that spot with the heel, you just see him kind of kick the person in the gut. Um, so, so this was a nice uh, kind of little wrinkle on that typical heel spot. And I, and I guess this was, I mean, this is a pro match, but I don't know if this was national because the version we watched, they kept talking about like a local Chicago show. So I don't know if this was the one that this aired on the WGN. I'm sure somebody can clarify that for us. Um, I was kind of confused with that, but but so I don't know if this was a local syndicated match or they just kind of piped that in on commentary. Uh, but, but anyway, I thought Wyndham's punches in this match was absolutely nasty. Um, but but the cool thing about this match is Wyndham was throwing these great punches, but Pillman was right there, kind of neutralizing everything he does, and he'd fire back and then get an arm drag to kind of keep that over. That was his great equalizing move was the arm drag throughout. Uh, Wyndham goes to the outside and they go to a break. 
Uh, as soon as we come back from break, Pillman gets caught on top and uh, hip tossed off the uh, top rope, which was a cool spot. And then Wyndham, uh, it's kind of a tale of two matches. You had the first match, and then after the break was the second match where Wyndham then hits the double axe handle on the injured shoulder. And man, does he go after the shoulder? <laughs> he yeah. starts ripping the brace, just completely cranking, uh, beating on the shoulder. Going after it with just relentlessness. Pillman is creating great sympathy for himself. What was that move that um, uh, Wyndham was doing? It was almost like a bulldog onto the arm. I don't know right. what, what you call that move. but uh, Yeah, like the divorce court type move uh, where, yeah, he would like separate the shoulder out and drive it down. Um, yeah, it was just, it was some, it only went probably a couple minutes. But for that short of a time, he really inflicted a lot of damage onto the uh, onto the shoulder. Pillman mounts just a, a, a very brief comeback, and it looks like he's getting ready to move into the final portion of the match. And then Barry and I mean, you talk about somebody pulling the tights in complete <laughs> gratuitous fashion. He uh, Pillman has Barry rolled up. And Barry grabs Pillman's tights. I mean, just a deep handful pulls him over, and then two handfuls pulls the tights up to uh, great get the win. So I, I went four stars on this, which which again, I mean, I, I think with all these matches too, these are not very long. Uh, this set of matches we watched, I don't know what the longest match was, but nothing was like over twenty minutes. I don't believe. No, yeah, and this, I mean, this probably is one of the, I don't, I think this went right over 10 minutes, but it's, it's one of your best to me around 10 matches. Like I, I, I like the sting Larry match a lot that I just talked about. I have this even a notch above that. Yeah. Um, yes, I, I thought this was really good, uh, uh, Chad, I gave it a three and three quarters, so just a, a tiny bit below where um, you were. Um, really sound fundamental psychology, I thought, in this moment. Mm-hmm. You know, where Pillman was carrying the injury, uh, so Wyndham, um, you know, went after the injured kind of shoulder. I think this was the injury that he sustained in the in the war games, right? Yes. Um, and uh, then Pillman answered by trying to neutralize Wyndham's arm. I thought that was really nice little bit right. of storytelling there. Um, I thought Wyndham has been pretty great in this little stretch in 91. Um, where, I mean, he he's kind of went missing on the, if you look at the supercards, but he seems like he was on really good form uh, in general um, during this little horseman, horseman run. Um, Pillman, fantastic worker for a match like this, I thought. Just excellent at selling... Um, great as that like plucky underdog you know facing the odds and uh, I couldn't help but think like what like how wasn't he a bigger star than than this yeah it's baffling to me how they didn't do more with him yeah I think that really comes over on the TV Um, I I mean I think Pillman with our supercard discussion has been been interesting because while he has had some good performances he's also had some stinkers uh Especially in 91, he had the yellow dog nonsense. Um, so that weighed him down. And, and I, I think we both kind of 
Pillman's someone I go back and forth on because he is always brought up as like someone that is the you know most underrated of all time, or certainly could have been a main event star. And 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 sometimes I watch a match of his like that versus Richard Morton from Halloween Havoc '91. I'm like, no way, you know, like I, I don't see it. I think he kind of plateaued where he was at. But, but then you watch these batch of matches that we watch today, and I'm like, oh, yeah, now I, I you know, I go back and forth. Uh, but, but this TV run and kind of the stuff we discussed today, I think is your best case for Pillman and that he should have been uh, a main event underneath uh, Daniel Bryan-esque underdog type major star, and it could have worked. Talk about being fucked by booking, though. I mean, like, yeah, yell dog and all that. I mean, the, the the second half of '91 is really bad for him with booking. He kind of gets saved a little bit with Liger coming in, so at least then he can showcase his skills somewhat. But yeah, I mean, you took a guy that, as we'll see in the early part of the year, was hanging with Wyndham, hanging with Flair, hanging with your main event stars. Uh, kind of felt like they were building up to a big win against one of those guys. And then by the end of the year, he's the light heavyweight champion. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's disappointing. You, you dropped the ball, Stardust. That's what I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> uh, Wyndham looked pretty great here, too. Um, and I loved it. I loved it. He was great when he was on top, uh, Wyndham, in this match. And yeah, just, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, the post-match was hot as well. Um, right. With all, you know, because it carries on longer than you think it's going to. But three and three quarters, um, you know, about right for this. I thought. Um, yeah. Oh, and the, the hand. You, you don't see that finish too much these days, right? With the with the handful of tights, they've stopped doing that. Yeah, and not. I mean, this. Like I said, I mean, we saw that finish a lot around this time. But this was a really gratuitous example where you really feel like Barry was being just cheap as hell, you know, because <laughs> of how uh, obvious it was. It was just kind of like a come on, Barry, you really weaseled yourself out uh, moment a little bit, which was nice. I, I liked that, you know, even with all his advantages, he still needs the tights. So. Right, right. <laughs> Uh, okay, so so Pillman like working his way through the Horseman here because April the thirteenth he's taking on Ric Flair. Yes. In a in a grudge match, in a non-title grudge match they call it. Right. Uh, now I have to say before we get into anything, Chad, I found Paulie really annoying on commentary doing this match, <laughs> and and in general for this because uh, we didn't tend to get Paulie on the supercard so much, um, but he I guess he was the commentator for what Saturday night or yeah Ride or something. Most most of the Saturday night he was there, uh, dealing with Missy and whatnot. I, I have to. I'm not really a kind of Heyman guy, Chad. Like, oh, you're not a Paul Heyman guy. <laughs> no, I mean, is that uh, is that a, have I talked about that before? Uh, no, there's just that's kind of his gimmick now. Is I don't know if you know that, but like in WWE now, he'll he'll say I'm a Paul Heyman guy. Oh, like, does he really? <laughs> yeah, he's got a shirt that says I'm a Paul Heyman guy. Uh, unintentional. I didn't. Yeah, I that didn't was know that. Um, but like, I I don't know. I find him much better as a manager than as a commentator. I'll just say that he's he's our, I I've always found him overbearing on commentary. Like when he had that stretch in WWE doing it, and um, just too much for me. Um, and the way that like. I don't know. It's, it's almost like I could, 
I can see the the cogs turning in his head. I must put over Flair and how good he is as the champion. You know, it's just too much. I thought. I, I don't know. What, do you have any thoughts of uh, Paulie on commentary? Well, supposedly he had heat with Flair. Oh, so did he? yeah, that that kind of putting him over is one of those kind of tongue and cheek things. Um, oh, right. Yeah. Um, where I think I think Flair actually kind of fired him. Oh, gee. oh yeah, yeah, and then he came back. Yeah, when Flair was Booker, mm. uh, so so that's kind of a tongue cheek thing. But yeah, I, I think on commentary, the reason you're sort of, um, I, I think the reason you're maybe lower on him is like you're a big Ventura guy, and yeah. and the thing about Jesse is he would get on these rants, but most of the stuff he said was very credible. You know where uh, where Paulie. A lot of his said, stuff he said, especially if he like in the WWE when he was the Alliance guy, and would talk about the Alliance was just, I mean, such obvious BS. You know, like you couldn't take any credibility, right. which was the character he was playing. But, but, but he's not like funny like a Bobby Heenan, and he's right. not, yeah, um, like and, um, I, I don't know, Cornette. Cornette is a commentator I really like actually, and like I, Corny can kind of get over the importance of a moment as well. Like, he can flip to being serious sometimes. Whereas it, whereas Paulie is just like, I don't know, he's almost like a cartoon commentator. Mm-hmm. You didn't like him. So, anyway, you know... I, I, I mean, he's I, not one of my favourites. I probably like him more than you. Um, but. I feel like he's a guy that people are really high on right now. Like, for being, like, the only manager around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his stock right now is pretty huge uh, just based on what he's doing. Um, Yeah. yeah. Anyway, this one will work pretty stiff, Chad. Yeah. Yeah, this is... uh, I mean, their 90 TV match we watched, I I like this. This is... uh, I I like that they build this as a grudge match because it's it's a war. Like, the... uh, they they it starts right off with the chop exchanges and the chops in this match. Uh, I mean, I, I think they're even worse than like your flare steamboat stuff. Um, flag garbage, even flag. Yeah, that's probably the closest I think actually looks like. That's a good example. Like flare garbage, that that uh, TV match we watched from uh, 12 1985. Yeah. This match kind of reminded me of that with the brutality. Well, well Flair was kind of bleeding hard way from the yes. chest, wasn't yes. it? Yes, Flair bleeds from the chest when he goes to the outside from these chops, uh, which is great. And I, I thought this match, like, like one, Flair looks like a pretty good badass heel. He, this is not his world champion cheap heel stick. Um, cause he does bail and show some ass, but, but he, he lays it in there too. Uh, he has a lot of bravado where he's not going to back down. He was but, doing a lot of uh, character work in this match, I thought. Yeah. And I thought Pillman, like if for one match to establish a person, I thought this was huge for Pillman. Um, I mean, after this, seeing him really take it to the world champion, hang in there, have these exchanges. I mean, he really felt poised to go to the main event, like we just talked about. Mm. Um, it's tough. I mean, there's there's not a lot. I wouldn't say there's a lot of moves in this match, but um, 
I mean, P- Pillman posts Flair. He works a half crowd, putting pressure on the back and leg. Elbow by Flair allows him to take the advantage. Um, I, I, Flair uses the foot on the ropes. I, I, that was kind of his um, thing that he would do uh, throughout this match is he would put a foot on the ropes to gain the advantage. Yeah, he was so cool. he's so high up on the ropes that um you could really see how it was giving him leverage and weight. Right, right. Like the referee must have been blind because he was doing it so great. <laughs> he, was, he was like all those on the a very high arch there. Um, uh, on the outside, I thought Pillman got like a uh, got a punch into the stomach when they were outside, and then they do another chop exchange, which was cool. Um, and then you kind of get the finishing sequence where Pillman accidentally drop kicks the referee. Uh, Flair takes advantage of that and tries to throw Pillman right over the top row, but Pillman skins the cat um, and then gets the air Pillman for kind of the visual pinfall on the champion. Um, Arnold Anderson tries to come out and help Flair, but Pillman kind of catches him off at the uh, before he can do anything. But Flair then is able to clip Pillman's legs while he's distracted with Arn. Locks on the figure four with Arn assisting him, which is nice. Uh, and then I love the near fall off of that, where Pillman doesn't give up, and we get get a, a near fall off the figure four. Which I'd, I'd forgotten. I, I thought that might be the finish where he gets pinned on the figure four. I'd actually forgotten the finish. But the, the finish is then our buddy El Gigante comes down to even the odds. Uh, he ends up attacking Flair to draw the DQ. So the finish kind of is a little bit of a, uh, I would say, a, a downgrade on this match. But for the 14 minutes previously of him and Flair just beating the crap out of each other, it's, it's an awesome, awesome match. Very visceral, very violent. Uh, both guys, I think, look tremendous. I think this is certainly a match to put on the mantle for Flair if you think he works the same match. Um, this felt like a different match work from him than a lot that he would like. He wouldn't wear, he didn't traditionally wear this match with Sting or Luger, this type of match. Uh, so, so I, I went four stars on this one too. Probably would have been higher with the finish if it had been better. Um, but, but this is a match I, I really love too. I'm going to say that a lot today, but this one I think's a great, great match. Uh, well, I, I'm slightly lower. I'm, in fact, quite a bit lower than uh, uh, you on it, Chad. I went three and a half. Um, now, I did think that the start of this match was really stiff and intense, and you know, they were certainly working at a at a good pace. Um, but I do have a couple of very specific criticisms here. Um, there's a moment in the match where um, Flair slaps uh, Pillman in the face really disrespectfully. Like three, four times. Do you remember that little yep. bit of the match? Now, I thought Pillman could have been much more pissed off after those slaps. Like, he doesn't... Like, it's almost like Flair's disrespect. There's no soul by Pillman. It's only a tiny little thing, but that was a moment that, that, that this match could have, like, gone nuclear, in my mind. It could have gone, like... You know, that could have been a real intense moment. And I think of, um, I don't know, Tenryu against Jumbo or something like that. And like what, what 
somebody like Jumbo would have done if you slapped him in the face, you know. Um, but I didn't think that it kind of didn't really register with Pillman. Um, so that was one little bit of uh, criticism I had. And I did think that even after, even though like the first seven, eight minutes are quite hot, it did seem to settle settle into being a bit flared by the numbers towards the end, I thought. Um, and then obviously Arn runs out and we get a kind of... Um, so, yeah, three and a half. I did, all of that said, though, that doesn't mean I'm down on this match. I, I do... Um, I do think the work is really intense and it is something that in fact it was it'd be something that I put in the uh, Pillman uh, case rather than the flare case though as a kind of here's a match where you know you can see Pillman possibly main eventing you know this would be a, a match I'd show but um, yeah slightly more down on it for the reason for those reasons yeah, I, I mean, to me, I, I, I dig the hierarchical sense um, where in the beginning, I think Flair's very overwhelmed and kind of shot, quite frankly, that he's bleeding from the chest from the top exchanges. So I, I, I kind of dug that, I mean, Flair had to cheat to gain the advantage, but he was able to cheat and still gain the advantage because he's clearly at least one big step above Pillman from a hierarchy sense in this match. And after the match, they're closer, but it's not like they're on the same level. Um, and, and I mean, that that's kind of something that I, I really enjoy. And like I said, I, it felt like it could have been building to a moment down the line where each time uh, Pillman would get closer and closer and eventually maybe win. But that of course didn't happen. And there is that kind of student mentor because they keep on mentioning, don't they, that Flair trained Pillman, and they're like Pillman's the only guy, the guy that Flair ever trained or something. Um, yeah, they 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 kind of went with that narrative a lot. I would have probably shied away from that, honestly, more. But certainly, it seems that um, Flair taught Pillman how to chop. Yeah, <laughs> some nasty chops. <laughs> All right, so I, I'm a. A bit lower, but um, I'd still, I still reckon it's worth seeing. Uh, oh yeah, for, for, for anyone who hasn't seen it. So, I'd say you're going to be one of the lower votes on that. So yeah, three and a half. You know, it's not a decent rating. Right. Um, that's, that's, like, that's like that's like the top match on most of the bloody stuff I watch with Titans. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, okay, so I guess hot on the heels of that match, June the ninth, it's flaring on, taking on. Brian Pillman and uh, Bobby Eaton. And um, just before we get into it, I've just written my notes here. WCW had such a great wealth of talent on the roster in 91. Um, and I just love watching workers from this time and place so completely, Chad. I, I, this is just me and my element. Like, you know, I know people are down on WCW in 91, but just early 90s WCW with these guys... Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean they they had certainly had the roster. I mean, the roster is there. Um, so I just I just love the fact that you can chuck in Bobby Eaton into a match like this, and it's like Flair and Arn taking on Pillman and Eaton. It's amazing. This was and this is just just a TV match, you know. Um, so anyway, I got I got momentarily excited in my notes there. It seems, but what did you make of this? Um, this was a match when I watched it. A couple of uh, 
Yeah, it's probably been about six months, seven months now. I, I liked it a, a lot, really. It, it, it was a little slightly less impressive this time for me. Honestly, I think it was too short. Um, but but it's a all four start out with a brawl. We get a good sequence. I mean, I thought the work was good. Pillman and Eaton tagging in and out, working over Anderson's arm. Uh, I thought Flair and Eaton, though, were kind of the highlight of this one where they were really kind of showing some intensity and fire against each other, setting up their clash match. And their clash match was not worked really at all in the style that they brawled here, uh, which was kind of weird. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I've written the flair-eating interactions were great. Here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they really were kind of going at each other a lot uh, for this one. Um, Anderson tries to pile drive Pillman on the outside, gets bag drop. Flair gets a near fall, um, and, uh, star works over the back. Uh, good teamwork. I thought from Flair and Anderson, I mean, Flair and Anderson again, were partners in the stable for years and years and years, but there's not really a whole lot of tag matches of them together. Uh, to be honest, all, uh, overall. Yeah. I actually think of them in that thing against the the football players uh the, the football guys 95 that's probably the longest one where they tag together did, did you know what i'm on about uh i can't even remember the, you know the nfl guy who comes in what like uh kevin green kevin green that's it yeah that that's that's the for some reason when i think of flair and on as a team i think of that feud <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, um <laughs> So Pillman's leg gets posted around the ring post. Uh, Eaton tags in and comes back. And uh, we I thought we got a nice neck breaker from Bobby as the match breaks down. And, uh, I mean, this finish is a typical kind of cop, cop-out finish where essentially Flair and Anderson say enough of this and kind of flee to the back with uh, – with Pillman and Eaton kind of hot all hot on their trail and punching them to the back, uh, so I went two and a half on this one too. Ooh, that's low. Yeah, I, I went I went three and a quarter the first time I watched this, so maybe I'd recommend watching this one again because I I did like it a lot the first time. Um, I, I don't know, but this time it felt a lot more shorter and inconsequential overall. I don't. Maybe that was after seeing the clash match with Eaton and Flair, because I know when I watched this chronologically with all the '91 stuff, I was like, okay, I'm pretty pumped for that clash match. I don't remember a lot of it, but if it's like this, you know, it may be kind of a diamond in the rough. I didn't like the clash Flair Eaton match as much as you. But in any case, it certainly wasn't worked in the same style as they were working here. So I did. I feel like it's a letdown either way. No, I mean this was a kind of eaten as a kind of fiery, you know, he's throwing punches and you know, Flair was selling for him and you know, um, I I went three and a half, uh, Chad, and I but I will say with the caveat that that's pretty great. I've written pretty great while it lasted, so. Yeah, maybe it's shorter than I than it, than it seems. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's sub ten minutes again. So just kind of in the, I mean, all these matches are about the same length. So I mean, like I know for sure I'd have this below for me the Sting Larry Sabisco and the Pillman uh, Wendell Man Pillman Flair Pillman Flair is a little bit longer, but 
there may be, and this is going to be a theme for the rest of the show, uh, Chad, there may be at least half a star added for Arn Love here, though. Because <laughs> I, I've just written here, I love Arn so much. Watching him decimate Pillman's knee uh, was just awesome here. Like uh, watching an artist at work, basically. Yeah, I think these, these this TV badge again, like we've we've highlighted Wyndham and Pillman and how their stock is rise, but this really showcases Arn as what he can do. You know, like if you talk about a consistent worker, I mean, I don't know how many five star singles matches Arn was ever in. I'd say probably none. Yeah, none right off the top of my head. I don't even know. Well, yeah, he wasn't a five a match I'd rank five stars, but it's a multi man match. So, so even like a, just a straight tag, I don't think he was ever in a five-star match, in my opinion. But, man, he just never gives, like, a bad performance. Like, like he's, like, the master. I mean, even watching him and Zabisco work versus the Patriots, um, I kind of went down a rabbit hole last night after these matches and watched some of that series from Saturday night. And none of those matches are great, but Arn and Larry in them are pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I got, uh, I got really kind of um, high on on watching this batch of matches last night, Chad. And uh, at one point, my kind of excitement boiled over, and I went to the board and went into the great wrestler <laughs> ever thread, that. and I just wrote, "Arn is so fucking great. I don't care about matches. This guy is a lock top ten for me." <laughs> and then uh, my my uh, obviously we have our little, um, you know, we have several ongoing chats in our Facebook and. Um, uh, somebody highlighted to me, uh, you know, my uh, our friend Kelly highlighted Bill Thompson's post right above mine, um, and I will just read it out here. Okay, he says, and I don't want to call any, you know, call anybody out on show or whatever, but Bill Thompson, um, who I guess is a guy who we've come to, you know, at least interact with, and you know, he's been around the board for quite some time now, um, and he, in fact, he wrote this, you know, back in September last year. He said, as much as I, I love Arn, I'm not sure if he makes my list. He's on the very edge of the top 100, and I wouldn't begrudge anyone who does have him in their top 100. But I think he made a career out of doing just what was needed of him and of being consistently very good. Both are admirable qualities in a pro wrestler, but I don't know if they're top 100 material. And it got, it got me thinking last night, and I want to say, Chad, for the record, I do not think I can name 20 better wrestlers than Arn Anderson, like twenty guys who are definitely better than Arn. Mm-hmm. Don't think I can do it. I think I, I honestly think that um, it, it doesn't matter about the matches. If you just think about think about what the guy did through the eighties, through all of this stuff, up until the moment he retired, did he ever? Did he ever phone it? Like, I honestly think the guy is great all the time. It doesn't matter if he, if the match is three and a half stars or four stars or whatever. Fantastic yeah, wrestler, you know. I, I yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's how you value things. Um, I mean, because even if you're someone that's if you're someone that's really high on Tanahashi, to me that's the easy example. Well, Bret Hart too. Like both Tanahashi and Bret Hart, um, obviously phoning in on matches. Any match that's not like a big, uh, what we'd equate a pay-per-view quality match, Tanahashi's not going to be doing a whole lot. Uh, you know, and that's even even people that like think he's 
one of the greatest wrestlers of all time will say that. Like that that's just common knowledge that he's taking it easy. He he writes that in his book, you know. Um so so there's that there's that train of thought that, you know, he, he kinda lays in the weeds during the tour stops, but but on the big big shows he can produce an all time classic in a lot of people's eyes. Whereas Arn's uh, I think the direct opposite of that. And, and again, his best singles match, honestly, like I'm thinking in my head, maybe like four and a quarter stars for just a star rating. Um, but but I, I, disagree, on, I, I disagree with that, by the way, Chad, as we were, as we were about to see on the show. <laughs> okay, so but uh, with a random like spot show, he's gonna be giving you kind of your arm performance. Uh, so it doesn't feel like he's phoning it in. I, a very consistent worker, I'd say. Um, so, so I'd say it's a consistencies versus a peak argument to make. But I, 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 I fail to see how he would make a top one hundred. I, can, I can't. Well, he, I, I don't know. This is my challenge to any listener: twenty better workers than Arn. Well, I mean, I could do twenty better workers than Arn to me. But really. Yeah, I, I don't think he'll make my top 20. Wow, okay. Yeah, and not a lot of art. But uh, when you start talking about, like, 20, that's pretty limited. Like I, I, uh, I, I don't think there are 20 better workers. Yeah. But are you going to tell me how, like, El Dandy's a better worker than on? Yeah, I would. Absolutely. Yeah, all right. Okay. All right, <laughs> let's, let's, let's keep on going. <laughs> you got <laughs> If you have a Lucha bias then i guess you can't but i mean just with lucha i would definitely say like negro casas and el dandy uh probably probably el hijo del santo um those are three from lucha right there so all right i'd um, have a lot ahead of him which i know you would uh well i don't know i can't it's i can't blasting me now but we'll see i can't comment on uh, him yet yeah. <laughs> um still up okay. I, 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 it feels wrong to me to rate anyone who wears a mask over on. Oh my god! Because of his, because of his expressions. You could have expressions with a mask too. <laughs> like Liger is not an expressive wrestler. There's somebody else I'd rank above Arn, by the way. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying that I. On the lock for my top. Yeah, 20. I mean, I get, I get what you're saying. I mean, I think you're very high and kind of drunk with the batch of <laughs> matches we watched. Um, I mean, I mean, I, for what you like in matches, I can, I can see him being a top twenty. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I'm not as bullish on the argument. I would say an argument against him for a top one hundred, you'd have to really sell me on the on the peak versus consistency argument. Um, but, but. Just thinking, like in my list, and who I think might make my bottom of my top one hundred, a, a, a like somebody like Tracy Smothers, you know, he's someone that's kind of hanging out and right. just think. I mean, yeah, Arn to me is, I, I would say Arn probably will make my top half pretty easily. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, th- I think one of the things is that, um, I, I. In my mind, the essence of pro wrestling is more in the, this kind of 12-minute TV match than it is in this kind of like idea of you know the epic main event, blah blah blah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I guess it's just where I am as a fan right now. But uh, 
Like, not that I'm against, you know, epic main event matches, but I, d I think there's more to what Worker is than, you know, than, you know, all of these match of the year contender type things. Do you know what I mean? I, I, don't, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'll have to flesh that out more uh, when we have the greatest restaurant. Yeah, yeah but, but those are the matches you really remember. Um, so, so that's why some people will weigh that more heavily. Like, like it's, I mean, I, I guess like that Arn versus Rich match that we talked about, like that's again that like that's a pretty baseline Arn performance. He was fine, and again, he worked harder in that match and better than a lot of like the uh, Tanahashi matches I've seen from the from the spot shows in New Japan the last year. But. I, I, I can see people when they say when it comes down to brass tacks, like they'll remember forever the Okada versus Tanahashi match from the Tokyo Dome. Whereas with Arn, um, I, I mean, the match I think you're pointing to on this show that you really like and the match uh, like like versus Regal at Super Brawl 4, that's still a match that's like pulling teeth, getting people to rewatch just because Meltzer gave it one star or whatever, but it's a fantastic match. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting debate, for sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so, so but, uh, and one thing, too, quickly. I mean, me and Bill um, have pretty varied opinions on a lot of stuff. I, I don't understand why, though, in his criticism, he says he's a very good performer, um, which kind of seems weird to use that as an argument against Horn. Um, the argument of he did what was asked of him, I, I kind of disagree with that, too. I have fundamental differences, because I don't think in this type of enforcer-lieutenant role there's been many people better in wrestling history. Um, if you think that, I'd like some examples brought up. So, he Arn is a consummate upper mid carder, I would say. Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, like, like uh, I mean, I think Arn is fair to compare Arn to someone like Masafuchi. Um, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's somebody else that I think really kind of excelled in that second lieutenant type role. So, both to me, like those two are kind of your top of the line, but the other. The other people in history I could think about that were really like with an ace of a promotion and kind of like the buddy of the ace, uh, mostly on the hillside. Uh, I can't think of any that were as good as those two or many. Um, it's funny you say that because I've basically been watching Fuchi work as like Jumbo's on basically in uh, right. Uh, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I'm thinking about. Is like <laughs> Fuchi is like Jumbo's little guy. He's a loyal soldier. Yeah. Um, all right, so d d some confusion with this next match now, Chad. Um, oh, yeah. It, uh, June the 15th, Freebirds and Bad Street taking on the Pistols and Dustin. Yeah. And uh, I've just written here, Christ, not only do we get Big Daddy Dink, we also get the full-on yeah, yeah, yeah from Garvin too. Right, right. Um, uh, I wasn't uh, much into this. Um, if I never see a Freebirds-Pistols match ever again, I wouldn't mind. Um why the fuck do we watch this, Chad? 
no, why you why didn't you explain to the listeners what's happening? Oh, well, Parv in all his glory rewatched the Great American Bash nineteen ninety one match, which we'd already reviewed. <laughs> <laughs> I, it did it did flicker across my head. It's like seen this before yeah, yeah. Very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> um so, so the other match we were supposed to watch is kind of i would say a a little bit of a cult classic of the uh, death valley driver uh pro wrestling only community where it's been a while now it may have been seven or eight years ago but on the death valley driver board they had a uh, dustin of the day match review series where they me uh, phil schneider and tom k and a couple other people uh, i think dean rasmussen uh would would take a take a dustin Rhodes match and would write just a blurb about it and this was before i mean you know dustin's kind of been thrusted into the lexicon of the current wrestling fan in the past year or so couple years this was kind of before that, so they were pretty, I'd say, ahead of the curve and getting behind Dustin, where now people are going back and watching the WCW Dustin stuff and pretty high on him uh, throughout. And so this this match was a part of that series, and it was written, uh, the board was written by Tom K. And it, it's a great write-up. I'd recommend watch, uh, reading it in the match discussion archive over at Pro Wrestling Only. It, it's, <laughs> this is... I would say basically your ultimate bullshit match in a lot of ways where the free birds constantly stall. Um, I, I, I need to see if Matt's watched this match. I, I can see Matt D loving this match. Cause this is free bird stalling to like the extreme. Sounds like a Mr. Classic here, Chad. Turn, it turns a free bird suck chance <laughs> at one point the uh, free birds hug each other we get an absolutely huge faggot chant uh, directed <laughs> at the free birds so so that you have that going on uh just a ton of just straight like shtick um the, the action is actually not bad like i don't the star rating matches uh, uh, this this is like probably a three star match at best but it's it's tremendously entertaining and and i think this kind of goes that this could have been like a really throwaway six man but the crowd interaction and the ultimate shtick that they did like there's well a sequence in this where the Freebirds complain that the ref is counting too fast against them so so like they both demonstrate a proper count to the referee um, and then they get rolled up, and the referee purposely counts really fast to kind of backfire on them. And it's it's a it's just funny sequences all around. Um, so probably worth seeking out, I would say, to kind of fill out. I, I put this in here as kind of like your uh, mid card comedy fodder match. That's pretty inconsequential because a lot of these other matches that we picked for this set are. Uh, very kind of violent, you know, short, intense, violent brawls, so to speak, with a lot of punching, kicking, and limb work. Uh, so this was a change of pace from that. Well, I, I'm going to take your word for it because I well, go on record. I will not watch any more Freebirds versus. Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not a big Freebirds fan of this era, so <laughs> this is uh, their peak, I would say. 
Did we get any AAS from Garvin and all that? I can't remember. I actually rewatched it last night, and I was wanting to see that. Because at first I watched your match, and I was like, wait a minute. Because you linked it to me, and I was like, uh, when I saw the big like WCW block letters, I was like, they did not have that on the syndicated show. So <laughs> I was concerned. God. And they're still around in 92, the Freebirds, right? They still haven't left? Yeah, they're still hanging out. Unbelievable. They're, I mean, they're there till 94. That's unbelievable. I don't know how many shows. They're not on a lot of shows, but yeah, there's Super Brawl 4. You still get a Garvin singles match. So. Unbelievable. We're still two plus years of having some free bird talk. So let's move on. It's uh, September the 21st, and it's Barry Windham taking on Mr. Hughes. Right. Now, this one I was... I'm interested to see what you thought when this came on the match listing. Uh, yeah, I was like, what are you thinking, Mr. Hughes? <laughs> so, uh, Hughes is basically used as the muscle for Luger. This is when Barry and Luger were still feuding with each other. Uh, kind of right at that sequence where Barry was still going after Luger, had a Omni show coming up, a tag match, but he was also transitioning to Simmons. Um, and I guess before I start talking about this match, I really, this match really presented it more than any other match I can think of outfits that are tough to wrestle in. Um, <laughs> so I thought about like IRS, yep. uh, but this Mr. Hughes may be number one. Like how uncomfortable does that outfit have to be sweating? Just tie. I, I don't know. I don't know how he does it. They kept on talking about his shades, didn't they? Yeah. Like the fact he's wearing sunglasses. Right. Um, so, so this match, a nice leapfrog by Barry. Um, oh, uh, just before you go, Chad, uh, <laughs> speaking of clothes, I did have in my notes here that Harley Race oh, that during jack. this match, he looked like Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor in uh, <laughs> Superman. He did. I it was a hideous suit. Hideous. <laughs> I love that suit. It did. It certainly did not look trendy in 1991. Um, I looked straight out of like early 80s, late 70s. He still did a diving headbutt in it, though. He did. <laughs> <laughs> um, Carry on. Sorry. So, so this is like your big kind of beast two bulls running together type match. Um, Wyndham hits a crossbody and slam, but... Uh, Sorry, Chad, I just realised this as well. I, I, I will let you go in this match, but um, another really weird thing as we were going into this match, poorly dangerously name-checks Lord Byron, the romantic poet, uh, in the opening, which is just bizarre in a wrestling oh, I didn't, I didn't even know, I didn't even catch that. And then he... But he compares... Mr. Hughes to Lord Byron. He was like, uh, and Mr. Hughes, the Lord Byron of WCW. He was like, what the fuck? <laughs> the most bizarre analogy that anybody's made in wrestling history, I think. Do you think he actually knew, like, what Lord Byron is? Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. He must have if if uh, if he name checked him. Well, like the context, I don't know. I, I, I have no idea what that was meant to mean, but it it's probably goes up with with the. With the one of the most bizarre analogies ever made anywhere, so I'll I'll let you go now, Chad. Sorry. Okay. Uh, so I I like um when Hughes takes over on offense, he puts his shades back on. They got knocked <laughs> out. Like that was just such a cool move. I thought. 
it, like now I'm in control. I'm gonna put these shades back on. Uh, I thought Race was really good on the outside. Actually, Race as a manager has some awkward moments, um, as we'll talk about, like kind of coming up where sometimes he's okay as a manager throughout these next couple of years with uh, Vader and Luger, but um, sometimes he's not in position and just kind of awkward. I thought he did good here. His headbutt looked good. Uh, Wyndham starts bleeding some over the eye. Hughes gets a sleeper, but Wyndham counters with the belly to back. Uh, Again, this is a nice kind of... I I thought this was a pretty good little power matchup. Saul Barry take someone that you wouldn't think, like Hughes, and make a good match out of him. Um, I I gave it three stars. The, The finish is... Hughes goes to the outside and Barry Windham dumps race right off the apron race constantly like taking bumps, like even this late in the game. Um, and Barry Windham tries to put Harley's face on the concrete floor and kind of a payback spot. But Luger then comes in and creams him with the chair and we get a nice, uh, he'll be down. Yeah. So nice. I thought, I thought this was pretty fun and, Really interesting to see Hughes in a uh, showcase singles match, kind of. Nice run in by Sexy Lexi at the end there. Um, a little cameo uh, from him. Because uh, he, he didn't get represented on the TV matches at all, Chad. Any reason for that? Yeah, Luger... I don't... I can't think of what a match Luger had on TV that... Like, he's kind of the, the uh, reverse of Wyndham and Pillman. Where if you look at his stuff on pay-per-view... He didn't have a bad match, uh, period. But on TV, he didn't have a lot going on. So, interesting. Kind of weird there. Um, yeah, I thought this was a really interesting match, Chad. This is almost like Mr. Hughes as Big Boss Man. Right. Um, and I, I don't say that because they both wore shirts in the ring. I say that because he looked agile. It looked like, well, this is a big man who that, that can move. And this was almost like... This seemed to me like a glimpse into the the Mr. Hughes that never was. Does that make sense to you, yeah, Chad? Yeah. Like, it's like an alt- imagine an alternate universe where Mr. Hughes had the career that Bossman went on to have. Um, this was it. Um, but for whatever reason, it just never happened. Um, I don't know what happened to Mr. Hughes. I, I will say, I remember as a kid thinking that Mr. Hughes was really cool. <laughs> um, and it's probably because he wore sunglasses. Yeah, and things, I agree so that. <laughs> And he juiced inside the shirt, like inside the shirt. He he had blood all over his shirt, so um, that was something. I one. think that was from Barry's eye, though, wasn't it? Oh, it's from Barry's eye. Yeah. Oh, I I just figured it was like internal bleeding. No, I don't think he, he <laughs> bladed his his uh, boob. <laughs> um, I gave it three and a half. Oh yeah, which is quite high, I guess. But um, surprisingly good match, I thought. Yeah. Um, Maybe career best for Hughes? Yeah, I, I can't think of... I'd like to see one that tops this. Um, I, I yeah. can't think of one. And Harley really did work being a manager as a wrestler, basically, didn't Right, he? right, yeah. He, he's someone that... <laughs> kind of like they could pitch him moving to the managerial role, and he's like, okay, I don't like it, but I'll do it. You know, that kind of type <laughs> thing where he just decided he's just going to be take big bumps and completely do his total move set just as a manager on the outside. 
No, am I right is thinking that some of the guys on the board are down on him for that, that they just think that he's a bit too involved, basically, a lot of the time? Um, I, mean, I, I mean, I think part of that is true, but, and I, I mean, to me, like, the, the part that I don't like with Harley as a manager is one, I thought he kind of was distracting sometimes with the promos. Like, when he, I, I think of him more with his Vader run, and sometimes with Vader, like, I, I thought Vader's actually a pretty good promo when he can stay focused, and Harley sometimes would distract from that. And then I'm, I'm thinking more of, like, his uh, kind of awkward, just sort of some awkward finishes of him trying to do the diving headbutt from the top and having to move that out of position, him versus uh, Vader versus Cactus Jag at Halloween Havoc 93. Harley's kind of awkward in the finish of that. Uh, a couple of instances in big moments where Har- Harley's a little aloof or overly involved. Right. Um, okay, well, let's uh, let's move on, Chad. Um, it's uh, September the 20th. Ricky Morton taking on Brian Pillman. Uh, Morton actually cuts a little pre-match promo, and I was a bit confused by this, Chad, because uh, like all of the York Foundation are out for this, and it seemed like it was like doesn't Capetta introduce um, one of the other members? Like it looked like it was going to be Pillman versus Rich, maybe as this starts, but yeah. it ends up being Morton. I didn't understand the setup for this, but well, and Morton's kind of presented as the leader of the York Foundation here. Which and I think like, you typically think was Taylor. Yeah, it was, it was a bit confusing. Right. Um, although I did see that um, uh, Alexandra York kind of had like a prototype iPad. What was the little white typewriter she used to usually had kind of that big thing that clearly was not a computer feeding her information, but was pretty humorous. Um, yeah, the, this this match is the one I had the least amount of notes on. Uh, I thought it was good, but pretty pretty nondescript. I mean, kind of average juniorish babyface match. That I put it on there though because I mean their match at Halloween Havoc was so bad. So it was refreshing to see them actually work a good match to me. Um, mm-hmm. And syndication and showed maybe just the Havoc match was an aberration. Like Ricky Morton overall in the second in nineteen ninety one is weird. Because he has this match and he has the Gibson match at Great American Bash that I, I like. But then he has the awful ground match at the Clash and then the Pillman match at the uh, Havoc that is not good. So very up and down overall. Um, good you good juniorish work. The finish, I'm interested to see what you think of the finish where... <laughs> it's kind of weird where Rich gets confused. Uh, or Well, Rich is essentially uh, made to look at like Morton, like they switch roles and Rich ends up taking the pin. Yeah. Um, they, and they the, don't look a lot alike to me. <laughs> t- t- Tommy Rich couldn't look less like Ricky Morton. Than <laughs> so basically, Especially like Tommy Rich here in like one yeah. of the guts and you know, he's a, he's about two foot taller than him. Right. It's just like, what the hell? Right. So, so what if you're even like, I don't really like the Southern boys doing the the mimic spots that well but even that i can see much easier than rich and morton getting confused here uh i mean i, I went i went uh, three stars i thought it was a good junior match uh but i really put this on here just to show hey these two guys could work a decent match together and don't take the havoc match at face value 
two, two and a half from me, Chad. Yeah. Um, great scoop power slam by Pillman at the start, almost DBRC level. So there's my token uh, DBRC mention for the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I've got, again, the note on Pillman's chopping. He really does let Yeah, he in. does do good here. Um, um, there was some decent psychology in this match, but I, I have to say that I thought it was sloppy in places. I really did. I, I thought that the the timing seemed to be a little bit off, and I put some of that on Morton, you know. Um, I, I often feel like I'm a bit lower on Ricky Morton than a lot of people. Um, I really... I, I mean, I, he'll make my top 100 wrestlers jad uh, i'll just say that but yeah he's in I my think, top 20 like yeah you see I, i'm just he, joking <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, well okay i i could see some people having him as high as that and like but like I, i'll just put it this way bob eaton has a realistic shot of making like top 40 for me whereas i don't think ricky morton does <laughs> and it's because um I don't know. It's because he's got more performances like like this match or some of the other matches that you've mentioned where I could say, well, well this match wasn't that good, you know. Um, and I don't know. Like, he doesn't have... Um, I don't know if, if he has much more to his game other than, like, selling, basically. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like you need to have more than just selling in your... He's got good fire as well. Um, but obviously he can't do that as a heel. I'm not sure. I, I just feel that that you know sometimes he's not. Sometimes there are days where Ricky Morton isn't at the races, uh, which is not something I'd say about you know. I can't ever imagine saying well Arn wasn't at the races today because he he's like always seems like he is. But I don't know. Um, so th- yes, although. I'll have the caveat that I haven't seen the smoky match and stuff that people will want to point to. Yeah, but that's him. I mean, that's them doing the Black Knoll Express stuff again. I mean, I, I've basically seen most of the peak Rock and Roll Express stuff from Mid-South. You know, all the stuff we looked at on the show, Chad. And I think my summation on Morton is that he's not, you know... I'd, I'd have eaten a good level above him. And... Um, yeah, I, I would just wonder about, like, he hasn't been that impressive during this York Foundation run. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, that, that run is kind of, he's inconsistent for sure. And I, I mean, I think, um, I think if you're hanging your hat on Morton, it's that you think he's one of the best tag workers of all time. And, I mean, he pretty much perfected a role again that they call it the Ricky Morton spot for a reason, you know, like he's the best of all time at doing that as a, baby face tag team so yeah yeah okay. I, I don't think anybody would argue there's a lot of depth for morton really but uh but certainly perfected his own role uh, the smoky mountain i don't think would change your opinion any except that he's doing it almost 10 years you know after they were doing it right. before and still getting a decent reaction you know still drawing a few thousand people at times so Interesting to see. I guess I mean there are people who just like don't care about offense at all, you know, uh, Chad. Um, And that is something I look like. Let's let's just pretend for a second that Arn didn't have the suplex and the spine buster and you know, like that he didn't have that cool offense. I think I'd probably be lower on Arn. Do you know what I mean? So I'd, I'd like 
we all value different things, I guess. So. Yeah, because I'm I'm the other. I mean, to me, I'm more the other way too. I'm I'm not like the amount of offensive moves doesn't mean a lot to me in the long run. It's how you present them. So, but admit it, Chad. If Arn didn't have his spine buster, you'd like him less. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he executes it well, so it's cool that he does have it. But uh, I mean. I mean, with Arn, when you, I guess I'm never really that good at pinpointing how many offensive moves people really have because I only associate them with their uh, signature moves, you know? I mean, like, if you tell me, like, Arn's offensive moves, I think Spinebuster DDT. If you say, like, somebody like Jake the Snake Roberts, I think DDT, and then that little short arm clothesline. Like, that's all that comes to mind, you know? Uh, yeah. Flare, suplex pile driver at times, figure four, so. The, the delayed vertical that he right, holds. Right, Yeah. Well, you see, I, I don't know. I, I guess I I guess I have a slightly different way of looking at moves, which is something we don't look at that much, but I, I see every single guy's entire repertoire as being signature inverted commas because there are only a certain set amount of moves that any guy does. Right. So like, with, like on, like beyond the spine buster and the DDT, he does, uh, off the top of my head, uh, um, a pile driver. He does a, a suplex, like a standard vertical suplex, belly to belly. Um, and then, you know, mainly it's his grand game after that. So, um, you know, that is Arn's offense. Um, okay, shall we uh, shall we move on? Because the next match does have Arn in it. And uh, he's taking on Barry Windham. It's uh, November the 2nd. And this is the match that I have by far the most notes on. <laughs> um, so this is a, a match that kind of came out of the ashes, I would say. It wasn't wildly circulated. Why wasn't it on the yearbook, Chad? Any idea? Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't around at that time. This came post. Uh, so so yeah, this was kind of a new discovery, so to speak. I I think in in. I need to, there's a thread in pro wrestling only that talks about it, like the way it was taped, but it wasn't, I just know it wasn't in heavy circulation. And uh, Matt D has written his essay on this. Yes, right? yes. This is our Matt D submission to compliment this one. He was so pissed that we decided to watch it because he thought he'd have the, uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the scoop on us, so to speak. But, uh, <laughs> that shows him, um, so, so this match is, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just tell you part of like, there's a match in early 1993 that's Wyndham versus Steamboat. And there's some great limb work in that match too. And I, I really dug this match a lot, like this one. But in watching it, I kind of kept thinking, I don't know if I like it as much as that Wyndham Steamboat match. And, right. and so it just slightly dropped it a little bit. I, I think I'll be, well, I know I'll be lower than you. But uh, but anyway, so so we get a shouting match, and it turns into a fist fight at the beginning. Barry Wyndham gets the advantage of. Uh, Arn, of course, takes a powder to the outside, like we saw that spot Tuds where he goes to the outside, wants to call a timeout and stuff like that. Um, and I, I did want to mention real quick, Arn coming down the ramp, okay, um, and then the fans boo him yeah. as, he, as him and uh, Paulie come out. 
just the look that he gives the fans just so fucking Arn is so awesome with shit like that just little tiny little moments where it's just a look that he it's almost like what you're you guys are gonna boo me and then he gives this kind of quizzical little kind of you know double take almost right right very shock and then disgust he's he's so good at that shit (laughs) (laughs) so uh so this like Barry Windham goes after the leg of Anderson which is kind of where he focuses the first portion and then Arn ends up going after the arm of uh, Barry and so we get dueling limb work and they're both completely neutralized which I thought was great and how neutralized they were and now that I'm looking over my notes I really wrote a lot of notes on this too because it is kind of that great dueling match with the uh, with the limbs going over uh finish i thought worked well where they still didn't um they still weren't focusing on the parts that were wounded which was nice this this was two out of three fours we should have mentioned right no actually it's it's the way the match kind of ends is uh where you get the pin but the match restarts oh right so this this wasn't a two out of three fours match no Oh right, okay. Like the ref, the ref just restarts the match, and and uh, after Simmons protested. Oh right, okay. And then and, uh, so Randy Anderson restarted the match very quickly, rolls him up, and ends up winning. Um, so I went four stars on it. So I thought it was a great match. Type of match you don't see much with the with the limb work being worked really well, and just the overall uh, fun match with two professionals, really one worth seeking out. I I went four and three quarters, Chad. I fucking loved this one. I really loved it. I'll just tell you that uh, yesterday I was um, I was marking okay uh, undergraduate essays from two p.m. until about twelve midnight. Um, so you can imagine when I came to watch some of these matches, I wasn't in the best mood. <laughs> um, and this match, it just kind of like it's one of those moments where. I don't know. It was such a good match that it just put me in a put me on a high. Um, I really loved like if you, this. I, I wrote in my uh, notes at least four times. This is pro wrestling. Right. Um, I really, I really loved everything about the match. Um, one of the things that happened uh, early on was that, um, uh, in fact, just before they started, uh, Arn held the four fingers up at uh, Wyndham. And, you know, on TV they said, well, that's him saying that he's going to be a four-time TV champ because he's been a three-time champ. Um, but I love the fact that it was kind of like, could have also been a reminder to Wyndham that he used to be a four-horseman. And it like it looked a little point back to the history. Um, and I, that could be, be me just kind of, you know, nerd fan trying to read too much into it. But um, I just like the fact that these two guys have got history and that the four fingers could have meant a number of things in that moment. Um, I noticed that Arn did that blown shoulder spot again. We've mm-hmm. seen him do that twice tonight. It's kind of a weird signature bump that he takes, like you, where he clotheslines the, the, uh, clotheslines the post. But then right. Wyndham immediately targets it. He immediately just thinks, right, I'm going to focus all my offense on this um, uh, arm now. And then Arn hurt the same arm again. Uh, after missing in the uh, an elbow drop later on in the match, and they they went then Barry went immediately right back to it. So 
that's some pretty sound psychology there where you know it's all like the focus on the limb and then the follow-up on the limb um then we got a really great transition when um uh, there's a moment where Wyndham hurts his back um like he on i don't know he goes for a move uh for off like an irish whip or something and on does this cool little thing and Wyndham ends up uh essentially like diving all the way to the outside and then paulie um comes in and Arn suckers him from the back and i thought that was just some brilliant like basic heel psychology i guess you'd call it um yeah. and then Arn immediately targets the injured back and it's just like he goes into um you know body scissors like you know waist lock um really f- just great tremendous fundamentals from both guys um, and uh, you know I liked it it was refreshing to see these guys take it to the mat as well which is something that I don't think you see that much in WCW in this time um, and then uh, we got a cool um, one of the things I really liked was the spine buster after five minutes working the back I just thought that was fantastic you know he's done all of these different moves focusing on the back and then he follows it all up with a spine buster um, so all of that tremendous and then um, there was a moment where Wyndham hit this pile driver, and the Wyndham execution of the pile driver is is something else because he he almost does it. I call it like a pump handle pile driver, Chad, where he it's like he puts the he puts his arm underneath the, like a, almost like a pump handle slam, but he does it in a in a pile driver. So really, I I thought this was uh, fantastic. There there was a stretch uh, later on where. Um, on uh, target of the leg and then he hit a suplex and figure four Paulie was really great at ringside really I thought that this the psychology was flawless in this match great performances from both guys um, didn't really care so much about the finish um, but uh, you know we got another heel beat down anyway which I which I like um, and it's WCW TV so you can't expect you know uh, too many clean finishes around this time Four and three quarters, a really tremendous match, and prob- I maybe in my mind, Arn's career career match, uh, single wow. choice. I, I really I, this was a revelation to me, and um, well, obviously I know Matt D is really high on it, but um, this feels like a match that isn't like not too many people have seen it. It feels like a real miss it like hidden gem, or it's like I'd never seen anyone discuss this outside of Matt D. Uh, didn't make the yearbook. It's like, do you know anything else about this, Chad? Like, why doesn't this have a bigger reputation? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's just because it was kind of in hiding for so long. Um, so it's kind of was not widely circulated and not. I, I mean, I, honestly, though, I don't know if this match would be held in such reverence by a lot of other people. Um, just because it is very kind of North American, U.S. map-based with the limb work. Uh, very, I mean, it's not a very, I'd say, action-packed match in that standpoint. Um, but I do think once, I, I mean, I had four stars. I, I thought the opening was kind of a little chippy, which I guess kind of goes with the they-know-each-other narrative, but there's kind of too much kind of tonal shifts going on. Uh, I like the match much better when Barry started working over Arn's leg. 
Um, and then in turn, Arn started working over Barry's arm. I thought that really amped the matchup more for me. Um, but but yeah, I don't know if I mean I think a lot would certainly enjoy it, but I don't I, I don't know if they would quite hold it in such high regard. But as far as it being talked about, pretty much zilch. I think that's just the circulation that it was in previously. So. Well, I mean, this could be some of my, you know, recent 70s mindset coming into play or whatever, because this was kind of worked in a slightly older, older style. I yeah, I, but, uh, I'll be interested to see when we get to that Barry Steamboat TV match, what you think, because that match was kind of a revelation for me. Um, I, I just loved the work in that match, and it really, that match and this match, it, it just felt like kind of two pros going out there and showing their stuff, and um, it, it really feels, I, th- I think this type of match really feels different from the current landscape. That's not a knock on the current, I mean, it, it is what it is. Like, I, I certainly like a lot of current wrestling, but you just don't see this type of match out on TV very often. Even somebody that's a technically proficient wrestler, um, like a Daniel Bryan, doesn't work this type of match on a on a uh, main stage very often. Um, the the mat work that's sprinkled in is very uh, a lot more limited. So you'd have to go to someone like a. a a Biff Busick or a Timothy Thatcher on the uh, on the indie level who try to mix in more kind of European style stuff, but to get this kind of type of map work going on. To, to to me, this match was is is like it represents what I think of as professional wrestling. To me, I mean, how long was this? About twenty five minutes, maybe. I don't even think it's that long. I think it was like sixteen. It's it was a pretty short match but it told a really good coherent story but i mean it, it this is like okay so you've got all of Arn's great character work coming in you've got poorly you know probably in one of his career performances as a manager <laughs> like, right. I, like i just think he was really good at good at ringside here but um but you've also got strategy you know both guys are working to a strategic game plan and, you know, you talk about, like, scientific wrestling, quote-unquote. This is, like, I don't know, it's, it's just great to see such solid fundamentals. Like, every every single thing they did was great. You know, the execution was good. Psychology was great. The, um, like, the, you know, they worked the crowd well. It just, everything seemed to come together for this one. So, um, I, I would say... Uh, that if you're if, if anybody's listening to this who hasn't seen because i think like lots of these because certain fans tend to only watch pay-per-view stuff right yeah um, yeah i mean there's, there's, a there's, lot of people are i uh, may have watched some of this stuff as a kid but now that they have the network they'll watch the clashes and the pay-per-views so. now if if anybody's going to just watch one match from the, the matches we watch you know we're watching for this show I would say that this is the one that you should seek out. Also, because you've got the Matt D essay there as well. I'd be really interested to see if you're closer to my rating or to Chad's rating on this one. Um, and, uh, you know, just let us know. 
because uh, you know there's been people who've been listening to this show for years now I, I would really that's my question for the listeners <laughs> that's, your, that's your homework go and watch this and tell me what how you much you overrated this match is how, the question how much, how much did I overrate it, <laughs> it well okay has Arn got any better singles performances in his locker than this I, one? I mean I, I like the Regal match better for sure right uh, but I need, so I need to rewatch that because when I watched it some years ago I didn't I didn't like it so much but yeah. I guess I was a bit more of a moves guy back then so right. <laughs> we'll see um Okay. This is this is a definitely a great match, I thought. So. Okay. Yeah, and uh, revelatory in my mind. So let's move on to a match that I think more people will have seen. The submit, yeah. or, submit or surrender Sting versus Cactus Jack, um, November the twenty third, uh, a precursor to their Beach Blast match. Uh, right. Yeah. Which I, I think I, is a good reference point for it. So what exactly. do you think, yeah, I think I think that's perfect. Is it's this is sort of the one A to one B with the beach blast match. Um, so I thought this started off really hot. Cactus punches this look great. I love Cactus Jack's shirt. <laughs> it was a Sting shirt, kind of cut in the Cactus Jack motif, but it had a big X over Sting's face <laughs> on the shirt, which is a nice touch. Um, I mean, we, we get a trash can getting used, which felt pretty organic, which I appreciated. Um, it didn't feel like they kind of shoehorned the weapons in with this match, which I like. Um, as someone that just recently went through the top 100 matches to watch before you die on the WWE list, there's a lot of gimmick matches where it feels like the weapons are kind of shoehorned in. Um, even some of your more like hype WWE matches like the uh, Cactus Jack, Triple H match at Royal Rumble, which uh, was a match I did like quite a lot. Spoiler, I think that's on the next installment, but it's a match I like quite a lot. But even then, like the the uh, barbed wire two by four, kind of feels pretty contrived, you know. That this this weapon was just hanging out at ringside, you know. Yeah. So so them using the trash can here, and then we actually later we get an even better weapon sequence with the chair with the fan that didn't want to give up his chair to Cactus Jack, <laughs> uh, and they have a little tug of war there till Doug Dillinger like scarily gets involved a little bit. Um, and, I mean this match I didn't think was that violent, I guess overall. Um, but but I don't know if that was just the confines of the time it was consisted in uh I, I mean you didn't see weapons like a trash can used in wcw much so around this time at all so it, it felt i can see how it felt novel i thought the finish was nasty where cactus takes the nasty plunge um to the floor which is i mean it is <laughs> just crazy like uh like Jack go at actually I love the finish overall because Cactus Jack goes for a steel chair shot, he's on the floor, Sting's like uh, over dangling inside the ring over the second rope, so Cactus Jack tries to hit him with a steel chair, and he does the spot where it ricochets off the ropes and then hits him in the face. That's a spot that never looks good. Um, it always looks very contrived when it's done, when both guys are inside the ring and it bounces off the top rope and it, it just, it never looks good to me. I thought this was the best that spots ever looked. Um, and, and then Sting gave him a drop kick and he does his nasty plunge, which is basically just a, a straight back drop onto the floor. 
and his back of his head just pops off the concrete. So that was a really nasty bump, and uh, Sting locks on the Scorpion on the outside, and Cactus Jack passes out from the pain. I thought I thought this again like saw Sting at an aggressive peak. I, th- I didn't think he was quite as aggressive and as badass as he was in the Larry match, but but this was still in that same vein. And uh, overall, a good match. I think I like the Beach Blast one slightly more. I, d- I watched that also for the 100 matches to watch before you die. Glad that one at four stars. I went three and three quarters on this one. But for a TV brawl, I thought this did a lot to put over Cactus Jack. I think this really probably should have been a pay-per-view match. Um, I don't know why this wouldn't have been on Halloween Havoc instead of the Chamber of Horrors, for example. Um, or at least a clash. So I, I, I like this match a good bit, but uh, I don't think it's quite great. I, and maybe that's just because the violence level isn't quite at the kind of temperament where those types of brawls reach a great status for me. But it, this does feel novel um, in some ways from the stuff we watched previous. Well, I I didn't think much of this one myself, Chad. Uh, I, I gave it three stars. Um I'd, I'd, there were lots of elements here that I didn't really care for. I thought the trash can looked silly, basically. Uh, the elbow drop on the trash can. I mean, come on. Um, I didn't like the execution on Foley's double arm DDT. Um, I didn't like the finish with Cactus nailing himself with a chair. Um, I mean, that's probably as good as you can do that spot, but it still looks hokey and fake. It's just a fake-looking spot, you know. Nobody's going to do that. Um... JR was a real distraction during this match. I mean, I understand that this was just uh, on TV, but he really no-sold this by just talking about other stuff. Like, he was just talking about all of the other goings-on, as if this was just, yeah. like, you know, some lower card. It just completely no-sold it, you know. Right. This might as well have been a Divas match, for as, J- for as far as JR was concerned, because uh, he didn't focus on it at all. Um yeah, I, I didn't. I just thought something was missing here, and um, I have fond memories of that beach blast match, and uh, so I'll be interested to see if I like it as much on on, on the rewatch uh, in our forthcoming review chat. But um, I'm expecting to like it more than I like this. I didn't. I wasn't. Now you're um, low here. Yeah, it's not not for me this one. Um, I don't think I'm a. I'm not really a foley guy, uh, Chad. I but that said. I do tend to like I do like Foley's greatest hits type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I was expecting to like this. I had never seen this match before. I was expecting to like it more than I did. So disappointing for me, um, especially as I was coming off the high of the Arn Barry match. I, I was I was you know pumped going into this, and it kind of let me down. So yeah, I will say I watched these in no chronological order. So I was kind of all over the board. <laughs> My notes are a mess because they're all catty. Every time we start a match, you have to do a control F and find my notes for that particular match. <laughs> this was actually the last match that I watched of this set. So, so, so well, the, there we are then. The, and the and the Barry Arn match we just talked about was the first one because I'd never seen it before. So, so, so in, I just want to get this right, Chad. In your mind, that match that that. Sting cactus match is a right. quarter, is a quarter of a star. Star below, yeah. I think. Um, I mean, I, I, I think you're way 
I, mean, I, it, I hate criticizing a match I ranked four stars, but I think the first five or six minutes of that Barry Arn match are not, there's not a lot going on. There's a lot of tonal shifts. Um, and when they get to the limb work, like I said, I like it very good. And they did sell it to the end, which I think is key. But they also, the ending doesn't necessarily reflect like the finish is not off of an arm or leg move either. Uh, so, so all that's kind of builds into why I'd have it at four and not four and three quarters. I mean, there's certainly a lot of positives for that match, but I, I think there's a lot of positives with this match. I, th- I thought the brawling was very organic feeling. Um, I didn't find the co- trash can spots contrived. Like I said, with the chair shot, I thought that was absolutely the most believable you could make that spot. And then it was followed up with a, a nasty bump by Cactus Jack to the floor. Um, and I liked Sting kind of locking in the Scorpion. So you get a a, a pass out finish for that. Um, I, 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 there's, I think positives for both matches i I can i can actually see a lot of people preferring cactus versus sting i think that would be interesting Mm. because i know i know uh p peter our friend uh pete elf he uh ranks that sting cactus match really high like uh, his one of his kind of um kind of hovering in match of the year candidate status wow yeah okay well i i feel like we're, we're seldom this far apart on stuff, Chad, as as we have been. Yeah, we've been pretty uh, variant on this show. I think I think this show with the matches we all like them, but they're very. It's it's kind of what you like in your wrestling because they're all about the same length and there there's a pretty wide spectrum. So some matches may just click for you emotionally and what you really seek out, and some don't as much. Okay, um, well, uh, let's get to our last match, which is Ricky Steamboat taking on Bobby Eaton, um, December the 14th. This was exciting because I didn't know that these guys ever had a match, um, to be honest. And, uh, well, what did you make of them when they got together? Um, I thought, I thought, first off, the loser suit from Medusa. Did you see that? That was... <laughs> I thought she looked like... Uh, Lesbian. A lesbian. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what I mean, but it, like, I don't know. I'd, just, just, I'd imagine that's what les- lesbians wore in 1991. Okay, <laughs> we'll just leave that there. Um, Bobby Star. <laughs> she kind of hot. She looked kind of hot, you know. I've always, I tell you, like, okay, this is a little <laughs> sidetrack, but I've always found Medusa pretty attractive, actually. Uh, like when she does that seduction thing. Of uh, of Sting at the Clash, uh, I, I I can always envision her like blue sequiny dress that she wears at Wrestle War when she like climbs the cage coming up. That's that's always fond memories for me. Um, but yeah. she had like all like a hair slick back here. Sort yeah, that was good. It was good. I I uh, good luck from with you, sir. <laughs> so. <laughs> Bobby starts off using Steamer's uh, rope to choke him, which uh, I, I thought was pretty cool and dickish to start out, like using his rope and his rope from his rope. Uh, Bobby, like Steamboat, gets a very slight flurry, but Bobby stops that with a neck breaker. 
Um, they spell it into the crowd, and I loved like Doug Dillinger. Between this and the Cactus Jack match, he is just hilarious in these crowd interactions. Like he looks pretty legitimately scared when they spill out to the f- crowd, and he's having to contain them. Um, I thought Eaton in this match was very. Uh, I don't know, pretty grimy with, like, his offense. There was a lot of eye rakes and punches. Like, not as much, um, I guess, dynamic offensive moves that you're used to seeing from him. It was more kind of a punching, eye rake, straight cheating thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Steamboat then starts working over the arm of Eaton, and he tells Medusa to shut up, you witch. <laughs> Shut which, up, witch. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, and then Medusa turns to the crowd that's like ragged on her and tells them to kiss her grits. <laughs> which I'm uh, hard, hard for. And, uh, and on, on commentary, they were like, he said witch. He said witch. He may have meant something else. Yeah, I think they made a, a kiss her grits is like the most southern statement you can make. Um, so, so I... <laughs> Care to explain that to the rest of the world? I mean, it's basically like a clean version of Kiss My Ass. So, Grits being that kind of oatmeal thing that you have? Oh, oh, what grits are? Grits, yeah. Yeah, well, grits are, yeah, there's a breakfast grainy food that is quite delicious. Now, I don't think that's... Grits aren't near as regionalized as they used to be, but they're highly they're highly superior to oatmeal. I'll say that. We still haven't had them over here. Of course, here we have porridge. Y'all are very behind with the times. Y'all are still Winnie the Pooh in with porridge. So <laughs> there's that going on. Um, back to this match. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess I guess like Ross called this solo. I, I like this match. But I went three and a quarter. I, I didn't have it too high. Um, they go through a series of pinfalls. I, I thought the finish was pretty abrupt where they kind of were spilling to the outside again. They they spilled to the outside a lot in this match. Um, Eaton, at the very end, does suplex Steamboat back in and starts working a short arm scissors, which I like that. But then he keeps going for the dive, and Steamboat got his feet up. Um, and then, the, like I said, I thought the finish was abrupt, where they just went through a series of pinfalls, and then Steamboat ends up pinning him with a crucifix pin. A little lackluster there. Medusa at the finish comes in with a kick. Uh, Steamboat faints, punching her, but, like, stops short and scares her instead. And then uh, Steve Austin comes out and him and uh, Eaton team up to attack Steamboat before Wendell makes the save. According to these matches, that's all Austin did in 91 was running. Right, right. So, I mean, I kind of rank this as a perfectly acceptable TV match that was good, but um, I may have been left leaving wanting a little more, I'd say, between these two. Yeah, I, I could see them having a four-star match certainly in them, and I didn't think this was it. No, well, obviously I don't give the three-quarter rating, Chad. So three and a half for me. Right. Um, you know, it could have just as easily been three and a quarter, but you know, I've made my bed now. I will never give that rating. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, now, what I've written here is that um, 
basically this was so easy to watch for me and i i would say that for all of the matches that we watched right for this for this show it's basically like for me it's like the wrestling equivalent of comfort food mm-hmm. it's like it's like eating like mac and cheese or something it's just comforting to me you know i i like these workers i like this promotion i feel totally at home you know it's steamboat it's bob eaton you know this is just like nice you know um the two guys who just know what they're doing they're both super smooth they've both got great execution they're both great at selling you know it's, it was all right you know good stuff not anything stand out but yeah I mean, I'm right there with you on the comfort food aspect. Like, I mean, nothing here ranked above four stars on the whole set of matches. But uh, but I really enjoyed watching them all. They were a quick watch. And I, I think, too, this, this whole set kind of throws 1991 worldwide as a whole. Where for me, 91 worldwide, the top, top end matches of stuff was maybe a little lackluster. But there was a ton of just like three and a half, four-star, four you know, th- from between three and four-star matches. There was just hundreds, literally, and the stuff I've watched um, out there. Uh, so so it was kind of one of those weird years where the top-end stuff I didn't think was maybe as good. I know I know you really like the 42091 um Jumbo versus Masawa six man, you got that at five stars. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah that's that that's a you know very very slightly lower for me, but um, but overall I think ninety one's top end stuffs compared to other years in the nineties is lesser, but um, was really consistent with a lot of stuff. Like I just looking in my ninety one matches. Let me just do a quick look because I've got it pulled up. Let me see how many matches just of the stuff I've watched that I've ranked at three stars or above. I've got currently 180 matches at three stars or above. That's stuff that just made the yearbook. Um, so you can probably add in another, you know, sure. I'm sure I could find probably 20 more matches. So you're talking at 200 matches a year that I thought was good. So that's nothing to sneeze at. Right. When was the uh, Jumbo um, Masawa match, Chad? Was the singles that? or the six-man? No, no, the singles match, uh, which the I had singles, five stars. Yeah, that was, uh, the singles matches were 6 eight, 90, that's where Masawa wins, and then 9-1, 1990. 9-1, 1990, okay. Yeah. All right, so they, they were both last year. Five stars, too, uh, that 9-1, match. Yeah, okay. But that six-man match, I mean, what? Yeah, I mean, the six-man match, like I said, it's, what is it, my number four match of the year, so not not too far away from you. Talk about matches you need to see before you die. Yeah. There's one of them. Um, Okay, so um, that kind of wraps up our review uh, segment of the show, and we want to do the awards now. Chad, are you ready to just go into them, or do you want to have a quick break, or what do you want to do? Uh, we can go into them, and uh, I can do them on the fly here. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, I, so I've got, like, I'll just tell you, I've got my five wrestlers and my five matches lined up, but okay. the, the rest of these awards we're going to have to book on the fly here. Chad. Yeah. Okay. I, I've got my matches, and that's it. So. so, total Billy Graham award for worst wrestler. Ooh. 
So I have to get my thinking caps on here because there, there were quite a few shitty wrestlers uh, that we saw during 1991. So I think for my total Billy Grand Runner, I don't think he's someone that's won it individually for any of my shows, but he's been consistently bad. And uh, that's a perennial where the big boys play favorite PN news. Um, this will be maybe the last time I'm able to say, yo, baby, yo, baby, yo. So I want him to have some representation here. But, uh, re- I mean, really bad gimmick, really bad worker, kind of an overall wrestle crap package uh, for PN news. Um, I, I, I think some people may be surprised I don't pick Big Josh here because I really hated Big Josh at the beginning of the year. I still don't like Big Josh very much. I, I, think, I, do. I think some people be surprised that you picked your boy PN News, Chad. You've been the defender <laughs> of him. <laughs> I don't know what I became the PN News fan, but... Uh, You're certainly yeah. higher on him than I am. Fucking hell. <laughs> but yeah, the PN News was not good. You like that scaffold <laughs> match, him just laying down on the scaffold, that's ingrained <laughs> in my mind. You know, I'm a big hip-hop guy as well, so it's like a crime against two of my big loves, like wrestling and hip-hop all wrapped into one fat lump of it. Especially, I mean, like, 91 hip-hop was... It wasn't this, you know? Like, no, that no. Was, it was... Uh, you know, I think uh, Ice uh, Cube was uh, dropping yeah. some solo stuff. Uh, America's the Most Wanted or whatever. Right, right. So, okay, um... I think I'd be, I mean, in a year where Bill Kazmaier had a run. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he's, not, he's not winning the worst. Uh, the, it's got to be PN News. Just atrocious, like, on every every level. Did, did um, that, uh, was it 1990 or 91 where that tag team was, uh, like, Iron and, who were those guys? Iron and, can you remember? Oh, the, uh, the Master Blasters? The Master Blasters. Yeah. yeah, was, yeah. Was that, that during 91? That was ninety one. I want to say it was like Super Brawl. Was was all the was all the Oz shit this year as well? The what? Oz. Yeah, that would now that definitely was ninety one. Uh, no, it's got to be PN News. Yeah, but there was a lot of shit uh, under the radar. Like if you think about, I guess like I'm not one hundred percent sure that the. Uh, I'm not 100% sure about the iron and steel stuff, and I think that was only one joke. I mean, because that guy quit or whatever. Like, they were bad. But I don't think I'll ever forget, like, PN News wallowing over that scaffold (laughs) in that match. I mean, just completely, he might as well have been taking a nap. Like a a beached whale. (laughs) Yeah, it was just the fattest, laziest shit. I mean, it, it looked like me after Thanksgiving dinner. I mean, just completely... The epitome of being just a lazy person in the match. I mean, I understand you're in a scaffold match, but my God, man, you got to do something better than that. I can't believe he got booked into it. Yeah. All right. Best feud. Now, this is quite interesting because it's been Best such a, feud. It's kind of a weird year. It's kind of like, it, it's almost like a, I, I, in my mind, I split the year into two halves where you've got flair around for the first half of the year. And then it's like dangerous alliance. Second, and like they're almost like two different promotions in my mind. But where do you go? Um, so I got a couple of things going through my mind, like Cactus Sting. Uh, even the at the very tail end, the stuff with the Dangerous Alliance kind of forming. 
But I think I'm going to go with Pillman versus Wyndham. Um, really, like I said, a, a pretty short feud. Only three months, but I, I thought they delivered every time out. And uh, overall, probably the most memorable feud for me is they had four or five. I think they had four singles matches that I've watched. All of them were at least good. A uh, couple very good and then a couple great. So that's my pick. Mine is probably Lex Luger versus Ron Simmons. Right. Uh, I just loved the kind of old school feel of that feud. It was almost like a throwback to like Florida and like it was a really old school, like they had, the, you know, the match signing and the award. That, that was all 91, right? Yeah. Yeah. Had the, where they interviewed Bobby Bowden and they showed Simmons back at Florida state. I, I, I really liked that um, feud and it was, a, it was in, they were trying to um, elevate both guys, you know. They were trying to cement Luger as a main eventer and trying to put Simmons onto that next rung. And I appreciated what they were trying to do with that whole thing. Yeah. You had Harley Race there, and yeah, and it wasn't like Dusty uh, supporting Simmons as well as like a second. Right? Yeah, Dusty in his tie dye shirt was Simmons's like uh, mentor. That was probably the most memorable feud of the year for me yeah that was one I considered that's a good pick so now we've got best show hmm uh, I guess are we counting New Japan yeah I guess we'll count New Japan it might be that um, I don't know like I really I know it's not a great show, but there's something about Halloween Havoc 91 that always sticks out to me. Maybe it was because it was the first pay-per-view I ever saw, but I mean, I do think it has a great match in Eaton versus Terry Taylor. It has two good, uh, a really good title match with the Simmons-Luger match. I like the Austin-Dustin match. I thought the uh, the the Enforcers' performance versus the Patriots was fun. You get the reveal of Rude. And then you get the, the ultimate kind of wrestle-crap WCW match with Chamber of Horrors to start off. Um, so that show feels kind of iconic. So I, I think I'm going to go with that. Another contender for me was uh, Wrestle War. Because Wrestle War had the, the Luger Spivey match that was surprisingly good. And the, the War Games on top. Um, and then Hanson versus Vader, which was fun while it lasted, but pretty quick. Um, but but uh, to me, uh, just overall, Havoc's more memorable, so I'm going with that one. I'm thinking about Clash 17. Oh, Clash uh, 17's a good pick, too. Yeah. Uh, it's got, like, I mean, you know, the first half of it is kind of nothing. It's got, like, Austin Pianews and Jack versus Cactus Jack versus Van Hammer and shit like that, but... Then, like, from the tag match onwards, you know, Pillman, Johnny B. Bad, we, we liked that last time, didn't we? Yeah. Um, Rude and Sting is a decent match. Luger Steiner is a decent match. You know, um, I don't know. Um, you see, coming into the year, I would have said Super Brawl 1, like, without even thinking about it. 
like before we went through these. But right, right. I remember not being as high on Super. Well, the, that's that's the one that's really helped out by the uh, by the Turner Classic edit. Yeah, the Turner edit. I didn't yeah. think much of that Fujinami match either. Yeah, I mean, the, I thought that was fine, but that that show really lives and dies by the Steiner match, which I'm lower on. Um, I mean, we like the Reed Simmons match, and Pillman Wyndham's good, but there's a lot, like, there's just that sequence on that show from, really from the Dan Spivey, Ricky Morton match to the Wyndham Pillman match. There's just not a lot there. Even the Dustin Terry Taylor match that's in the middle of that was very non-consequential. So it's uh, I understand the fucking Freebirds pistols, which uh, yeah, I mean that's solid at best. So I I think I'm gonna have to pick the New Japan Super Show chat. Yeah, that's not bad. Feels like a cheat, but you know it's got a lot of good stuff on there. Right. Um. And then, worst show. Hmm. Uh, oh, there's got to be a clash. I, I know people will think, like, we'll immediately say Great American Bash. Um, I mean, I like I like Starcade less than Great American Bash 91, so I'll just say I thought, that. I thought Starcade was a putrid show. Yeah, Starcade was really bad. I'm, I'm looking to see our clashes. Um, the Fall Brawl Clash, I don't remember anything of. It does have the contract signing, which I may like better than anything on uh, on the Starcade. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. Clash 16 is a bad show. That's the Fall Brawl. That's the Fall Brawl, the Mike Graham shitty match with Morton. As, uh, I want to pick Starcade just to piss off Steven, but I think I'm on to go with uh, Clash 16. What, what, the, what the fuck was that Battle Royale at Clash 16? Yeah. Z-Man, Ranger Ross, yeah. Oz, PN News, Buddy Lee Parker, Big Josh. <laughs> One Man Gang was there. What the fuck was that? <laughs> I had Van Hammer squashing Terrence Taylor. It was... That was not a good show. Diamond Stud. Oh, I remember you were so pissed off that the Diamond Stud got jobbed out to Simmons and he was like in the top ten of the Sudan. Ass backwards booking. Kazmaier uh, <laughs> in the main event. It's got to be that. <laughs> Fucking what a load of shit that was. Kazmaier doing the injury angle. I don't know. Yeah. Clash 16. Worst shows. <laughs> That's a pretty bad top three. I mean, we did not completely crapple Great American Bash, but I don't think it was a good show at all. No. Um, and that's my number three. <laughs> I, I, w- I would say in you know descending order, I guess, the worst show is Clash 16, then uh, Starcade, which I just think is a bad show, and then, then the Great American Bash. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, the clashes this year up to Clash 17 were not... I mean, I remember way back to Clash 14, it has that disappointing Flair-Steiner match, and then the the uh, the 
arm wrestling contest, and but but it does have Sting and Luger versus Doom, so I guess that saves it a little bit. They, they started putting um, more jobbery matches, like uh, that was the one, wasn't it, with uh, Alan Iron Eagle and the fucking the Young Bloods. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, had the Young Bloods on that one. At Ranger Ross versus El Cubano. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Chad, you know, when we're like, we can look back and say we've sat through all of this. So that's yeah. interesting. I don't know whether it's a claim to fame or or not. Right. <laughs> um, okay, so best tag team. That's interesting. Hmm. Wow. I, I I'm gonna go with the enforcers. They seem like the natural pick. Yeah. Uh, very underrated. Wish they'd have stayed together longer. We've talked a lot about them. So. Um, I want to pick the Enforcers too, but I'm just thinking about the Steiner Brothers, uh, who I know you don't like that much, Chad. Yeah, I actually think I like their 90 better pretty easily, um, just because I like the Doom stuff, and uh, I mean, they got that Nasty Boys match, so. Mm. No, I'm going to go with the Enforcers. I mean, you know, it's a short run, but in terms of short-lived tag teams, I can't think of a better one. <laughs> yeah, I really wish they'd have faced some better talent. Like I'm watching, like I went, like I said, I went down that YouTube rabbit hole last night, and just, I mean, they were so linked with the Patriots for some reason. But that match with the Patriots was pretty good, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, the stuff from WCW Saturday Night was good, and like Arn and Larry are great in it. It's just the Patriots are so bad. It's like if they could have been with freaking Tim Horner and Brad Armstrong, these could have been some great matches. <laughs> Like legitimately pushing four stars. Do you think Firebreaker Chip is better than Tim Horner? No, I don't. I, I, I have Horner safely above Firebreaker Chip, who <laughs> actually probably should have been a contender for Billy Graham. He was so bad. Looked like he just came from a shower every time he wrestled. Had so much oil just draped on him. The thing about Tim Horner is that I look at his face and I think about his name. And everything just screams jobber. <laughs> Doesn't it? I mean... Well, yeah, he's, uh, he's definitely, when you think white meat baby face, he's... Uh, I just think a competitor. Right. And his opponent, Tim Horner. Right, yeah. He's very lightclusterly announces his name, which doesn't help him. All right. Best face. <sighs> I'm going to go... Hmm. Best face. I have yeah. Played. Based on that, I'm going with Pillman. Yeah. He has some bad stuff, but I mean, in the in his highlights, he was really good at drawing some sympathy. Um. It, I, actually, I tell you, Sting is a heavy contender for me. I think Sting in '91, like I think '91, '92, right to Super Brawl three. Is probably your best thing for me, like in his career. Now, the reason I can't give it to Sting is because I cannot forgive him for that whoop he did when he got. What was that? Who was the woman involved? That was fucking abysmal. Was it Mr. Oh, Wyatt? The, uh, um. Was it, uh. The, the little stinger? Can you remember that? Oh. Yeah, that was, um. Oh, shit. It wasn't woman. 
Was it Medusa? I think it was Medusa. Yeah, oh. it, it was Medusa. It was. He was said he was going to show her his little sting. I can't forgive him for that. So he's not. <laughs> what about the steamer? Just not around en- enough for... The- yeah, I think he came on too late. He only has a month and a half. What about, um, what about Dustin? Dustin's up there. Uh, Simmons, I thought, was good, uh, too, once he turned face. Um, I think it's Pillman. I, I think Pillman, yeah. I mean, D- Dustin had some performances, but I, I think Pillman was featured more and delivered more when given the chance. Uh, best heel? Best heel, I'm going with Arn. I think he was most consistently dick heel throughout the year. And uh, that seems pretty easy to me. Yeah. I don't know. I, no arguments. Um, top. So now we get to the big awards. So it's the top five matches and the top five wrestlers. Uh, which one do you want to go for first, uh, Chad? Um, let's do the wrestlers. Okay. So this is, uh, we'll, we'll do, we do a top four and then it's the Ric Flair award for the best wrestler. <laughs> so I've got number five, Ric Flair. You went Ric Flair? Number, number five, Ric Flair, yeah. Okay, and uh, reasoning for that? Um, well, he's only around for half of the year. Um, I feel like he's getting some of his mojo back a little bit after... Uh, I think we both felt he felt tired at times uh, at the tail end of 1990. Um, right. But I think... Um, it's easy to take Flair for granted. I, uh, I think, and he still got some good performances in the first half of of, uh, of 91. Nothing blow away, but he still, he's able to carry the belt. He's able to be the champion and be credible, you know, um, even if he's feels like he's a little bit on autopilot at times. So, you know, Flair on autopilot is still probably top five good. You know? Yeah, I mean, the Fujinami stuff is not blow away, but it's fine. He was good in the war games. Um, but he didn't make my top five, actually. Wow. Yeah, my number five is uh, I'm going with Brian Pillman. Okay. Good, really good highs, some bad lows, but I think the highs overweigh him for where he can slot in at number five. So my number four was Barry Windham. Okay, and my number four, I think you're going to be a little surprised, but I went with Sting. Oh, okay. Um, I, I, to me, this is just like, I mean, he has, he has the Larry match that I like. He has the Cactus match that I like. I, I actually kind of like that Nikita stuff a lot more than a lot of people seem to. I'm not as high on the Super Brawl match as you are, but I, I think it, I can see where it is has its fans. And I think Sting works really well in that match. Um, yeah, I, th- I think this is probably a good, well-rounded year for him, for me. So I, that's why he's my number four. Um, even though he didn't make my top five, he's definitely the best he's been since we've been watching. Chad. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, uh, you know, I thought he was actively bad at times in GTA 89-90. So. Um, okay, so my number three three is Brian Pillman Um, I think uh, really good talent um, some good matches on this TV stuff that we've watched I think he's just I mean badly booked but when he has a good performance it's a really good performance I think with Pillman a lot of the time 
you know, great uh, underdog, great selling, great fire. Um, you know, some good stuff from Pillman this year. Um, and I'm wondering, Chad, just looking like on the long lens, does does Pillman ever have a better year than '91? Um, '93 maybe, with the Hollywood Blondes. Yeah, I'll be interested. As, I'll be interested to see uh, what we think when we get there. I know. Yeah, I mean, I've started my journey through '93 watching. And I've loved the series of him and Austin versus uh, Steamboat and Shane Douglas. Right, yeah. That, that has been really good. So, Okay, well, I, I look forward to watching uh, some of that stuff. Right. Um, okay. Uh, so my number three, I went with Barry Windham. Uh, really helped by this TV footage stuff. Um, but uh, I mean, I, th- I think I don't. I mean, it's kind of weird how in the end of the year he was sort of phased out. But uh, but yeah, for that first half, I mean, with his TV stuff, we just went through it. Like he was he was great in a lot of stuff, and he still does have the arm match in the second half of the year. That's just such a kind of under the radar match overall, you know. Yeah. That gets kind of forgotten so yeah um and i, I had well i had windham four so you know i think in not too dissimilar no um so my number two i think we'll probably have the same top two uh, i've got a funny feeling too my number two is lex luger okay um so we're gonna have the same top two i guarantee it but not in the same order because my number two is Arn anderson oh uh, unbelievable okay <laughs> right explain that then um, so Luger, it's tough in the, uh, uh, maybe I made a mistake, but Luger is a, is the top guy. I, I just think he's so like now viewed as this guy that just was a bumbling idiot that couldn't make any, uh, you know, fumbled every chance he got at the top of the card. And that wasn't the case. Like, we saw that played out in 91. That wasn't really the case. I mean, maybe the houses were bad, but, I mean, they were bad with Flair on top, too, you know. So, I mean, I look, I look at his repertoire matches. He has the, the Spivey match at WrestleWar, which is like the carry job of all carry jobs. Um, his match versus Barry Wyndham at Great American Bash is one that constantly gets crapped on, but that's a good match. I don't, I mean, I'm sorry. It's a good match. Like just because there was a few people chanting, we won't flare. That doesn't mean the match sucked. It was a good match. Yeah. Uh, the match versus Simmons, I think it's really underrated in a lot of circles. Um, I went back and forth with Scott Griscolo on that one. I, uh, I, I, me and you both, I mean, you like that match even more than me and I really liked it. So I have no problems with that. Thought he was really good at the end of the Starcade main event. That was kind of the highlight of that show. Him and Sting's sequence there. Uh, he just felt like the ace. Like I, I don't know. I, I kind of value that a little better. Where Arn probably has more four star matches, but uh, Lex really felt like kind of the guy of the promotion. Now, Chad, I haven't updated the awards page in some time. Okay, but. I have a feeling that there's a stretch of about five shows where you pick on as MVP every single week. Yeah. 
Um, so I'm just going to put it out there that I know I know I pick him for Havoc, and I know I pick him for Clash Seventeen. Um, I reckon you've got there's a I reckon there's at least four different shows where you picked him as MVP. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm talking myself out of it, but he, he became the new Flair. Almost. I really, I, I I think I do put a higher precedent on being the guy of the promotion though. And I, and I will admit that part of that is just sort of sticking it to people that say Luger sucks because that just yeah. drives me. Nuts, uh, it, I mean, it, I think it's a bugbear that we both have, Chad. And uh, one of the interesting things with Luger is that I've been waiting for him to fall off. Like it's like he's been consistently great and getting better. And it's right. like, well, when's the moment when he stops being good? And it hasn't happened yet. Maybe at our next show, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. But oh, he's about to leave, right? Yeah, he's out by Starcade or, or Super Brawl. Right, so we don't have a much of Luger left, but I will say his entire run has been good. From like right from '87 till now, he's yeah. Been good. I mean, even '88, the feud with Flair. I mean, that was not bad stuff at all. Him in those tag matches. Yeah. I, I, yeah. That's a four-year stretch. I mean, think about it like that. That's a four-year stretch. Was I don't know if I want to go down that path. Was I just don't I don't know if Steve Austin had a four year stretch in ring better than Luger in those four years. Well, you're opening I don't, up. I don't, I don't I don't know if he did. You're you're opening up a can of uh, something there, Chad. Um, can I, of whoop ass or a can <laughs> of worms, I don't know, but you kind of whoop ass on Steve Austin. Uh, yeah. I, I I don't know. I mean, I haven't I haven't revisited the late '90s stuff in a while, so um, I'd be hesitant to comment really. But um, I mean, uh, like him in '98 is great. '97, he of course has. I mean, maybe '95 is kind of a lost year for him. Ninety-four is what you. Th- I think he's pretty inconsistent that year. To be honest, I don't like the Steamboat Bash at the Beach match. Uh, he has the match with Muda at Spring Stampede, which is a low point of that show. So I don't think his ninety-four is any great shakes. Ninety-five. So yeah, I mean, then by ninety-nine, he's doing your very generic. Uh, WWF style brawl, so I, I mean that's just uh, maybe. I mean maybe. I, I I think something else though. You could put Luger's four years there up against most people's. Like okay, it's your average internet fan would say, well, who's a better worker, Brian Pillman or Lex Luger? And some people would actually laugh at you. They'd laugh at you. They'd be like, you know, well, Luger's a terrible worker and Pillman's an awesome worker. Right. But Pillman never had a four year stretch like Luger. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, so um, yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's one where we're, we're together, Chad. And uh, hopefully this show has been one of the, you know, if one of the things we can say is uh, we've tried to turn people's minds on Lex Luger. But uh, all of that said, my number one worker for the year is Arn Anderson. Um, I really think Arn's come into his own uh, during this stretch. Like, I, I know people don't think turn tend to think of Arn in terms of peak like you just think that he's great all the way through mm-hmm. but I, I, I actually think that he like this is probably his peak run type thing as a like I think he's really come into you know 
like, you know, you can go back and watch him in, in 85, 86, 87. You forget how young he is during that period. Um, he's still really good, but I don't think he's, like, on the level that he is uh, doing some of his very, very best stuff here. I mean, as the veteran, as the kind of, like, you know, a, like, cornerstone of this roster almost. You know, you can stick him in with, there with anybody. He's going to give you a really good performance. All-round great performer, promos, um, expressions, the whole the whole thing, really. Greater working tags, um, as we've seen. So, yeah, I just think the arm was consistent. Like, he was the standout performer on more shows than anybody else for me uh, this year. So that's why he's my number one. Any comment? <laughs> no, I, I can't argue against that. I'd, I'd, I'll be interested to see how he is in the Dangerous Alliance stuff. Yeah. Uh, to see if he kind of feels a little more like one of many or if he sticks out still. Mm. Yeah. And that, well, I mean, that in the like in the Enforcers team, for example, he's clearly the leader of that team. Right. You know, so I thought that was quite cool to see. So should we do our matches? Yeah, let's uh, do our matches and put a bow on 1991 as a whole. Yes, and I can't wait, Chad. Like you too. Okay, number five for me is the Steiners versus Hase and Sasaki from uh, New Japan Super Show. Okay, I think my number five is going to be uh, the Pro Pillman uh, window match we just watched uh, from four six ninety one. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, not a lot to say. I, I thought that was just a good, but you know, Steiners bomb fest. Right. Uh, right. You know, the one match of the year. Um, did it? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Looking back, <laughs> no, I mean I wouldn't have it as a so, match. You know, you you and Meltzer always align, so no surprise here. Well, is that one match of the year over like in a year which had that six man. Yeah. That's fucking stupid. <laughs> that, that is stupid. Okay, uh, number number four then. Oh no, what was it? Uh, yeah, number four. Is uh, Steiner's versus uh, Sting and Luger from Super Bowl One? Oh, okay. um, kind of a you know a much talked about match on the internet for many years. Yeah, my number four. You're gonna love this one. It's the uh, is the Arn Wendell match from uh, like, what was it, November second? I actually closed my sheet. Yeah, November second. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so that one's my number four. Well, I mean, I can't argue too much because that's my number three. Oh, really? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess you had three really highly rated matches for this year. Yeah, well, I, have, I mean, to, just to go through, I'm four and a half on those two Steiners matches, and I'm four and three quarters on the Windermard match. So I guess I'm higher on the high-end stuff than, than you are. Yeah, I think you are overall. You're a... I, I, I guess it says something that your number four match is a four-star match. Yeah, for the promotion. Now that, yeah, I mean, my... Uh... And my number three match is a four-star match, too. And this is where I said you may think I'm crazy because number three, I have the Pillman Flair match ahead. Yeah, no, I do. I, I do. I, I, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I really think you're you're underrating that on window match. Maybe. I may, I may need to go rewatch it again. I, I, that opening, like, like, uh, like I was messaging Matt when I started it and, just like the opening, I know at Cinema Matches, and I was like, "This is okay." I mean, it was fine, but do, do you think there's a chance 
and I'm just going to put it out there that Matt D had built up the match in your mind, so you went into it saying, right, well, let's see then. I mean, I knew that, I knew that, no, I wouldn't say that, because with Matt, like, I never read his essays before I watch a match. Right. And, I mean, he's, in just this series that he's done, one, I know me and Matt have pretty drastic different tastes, um, but we align on some stuff. But just, um, I mean, just in this series, like, he wrote on the fall brawl. So, I mean, I thought that certainly wasn't built up in my mind. So, I, 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 I kind of, with him, like, it, like I think if it had been, like, if somebody like Pete would have just messaged me, shoot, if he'd have messaged me and be like, you need to watch this match, then that might have affected me more. But someone like Matt, who can pick up on like these small, uh, subtle deals and write an essay on it, I, I mean, I never know which way his essay's going. Like, I, it could have been on, uh, for all I know, it could have been about Paulie on the outside, you know, and he doesn't even talk about the match. You, you don't know. Do you think uh, Matt D has written more about 91 Freebirds than any living human being? Uh, him and Tom K, I would say, are <laughs> one and two for that. Um, they're, they're, they're dueling it out on the Freebirds 91 uh, soliloquies. <laughs> Those Atlanta Brave jobs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what was the match? One, one of the matches we watched tonight, Ross was comparing Pillman to the Braves, and I was yeah. like, here we go again. Oh. I noticed that. Yeah. Okay, so number two then, I've got... I think we'll have the same one and two again, uh, just in a different order. Different order. Well, I've got Enforcers, and Ste- Enforcers against Steamboat and Dustin from Clash 17. Right. You've got War Games, right? Right. So I've got my War Games. War Games is number one for me. Um, I went five stars on that and four and three quarters on the Enforcers Steamboat Dustin match. But looking at it, at looking at it, if I wasn't going with the rating they gave, I probably would have, like, Enforcers versus Steamboat and Dustin feels like it should be the match of the year to me. Um, it feels weird giving it to the War Games, if you know what I mean. But yeah, I mean that War Games is really good. Um, in some ways, kind of feels like last hurrah for the Horsemen, honestly. Um, but. I, I I mean that tag match is just absolutely southern tag personified. Seems to be getting a lot more play, which I'm elated about. Um I know the uh, list and learn that Foy did with Alan Cunahan, that was uh that was a match that made made the list and was discussed with the, when they did the top WCW matches in the nineties. Um, so I was happy that made that list. Uh, Tim Livingston just talked about it on last week's Pro Wrestling Super Show with top six title changes. So this is a match really getting uh, good play now. I mean, I think it was always hyped fairly well, but but I think now people are starting to say, you know, wait a minute, this may be one of the best tag matches in the U.S. in the 90s, which is the uh, justification I think it deserves. Or all time, I would say. Right, yeah. I mean, I'd say this is one of the top... I mean, this is probably one of my top five U.S. tag matches I've ever seen, so... Yeah. And I... I yeah, I mean, the, but the, I, I guess the War Games is... Uh, I don't know. I, I went a bit classic there. 
what? is a five star match, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm a four and a half. I'm not that far off from you. Uh, it's just it's a bloody, violent spectacle uh, with a nasty finish. Um, so, so yeah, Par's match of the year has El Gigante featured in it. So think about that. <laughs> okay, well. Um, it was fun, Chad. We finally got to the end of 91. It feels like we've been in 91 forever. It does. <laughs> like, especially just, I mean, we've been, in, we've been in it a while, and I just think, like, the last year of my life, new job, uh, new baby, just a lot going on. Um, mm. But, but I, I did, and as we kind of wrap up 91, uh, I want to say, like, um, I don't know. The last week, par just with the internet wrestling and stuff. I've, I've kind of uh, with the fan community and everything. I've been doing a lot of thinking. I've started writing an article that'll be on Place to Be Nation uh, probably in the next week or so about kind of the state of the internet wrestling fan yeah. and the, the, all the little sub pockets we seem to be getting and the. Uh, message board wars and, and website wars and all this stuff and uh, I, I, I mean all I can say is that just anybody that listens to us I mean me and me and you part we've always kind of done this for fun yeah um, this show we we thought it was a market that hadn't been bre- breached in the podcasting arena going through old WCW Um but but it's something like we we're obviously proud of what we present here, but it's something we haven't tried to like heavily market. You know, I mean, we're not yeah. push it, be boisterous, say our podcast is better than your podcast. Get in kind of these dick measuring contests that some of the stuff seems to be resulting to. But uh, we've really devoted a I think a pretty good sound following, and to that I'm entirely grateful. I mean, people are very patient with us and not being as frequent with the shows and people get excited when a show's released and that that means so much to me i've, I've gained friendships from that um and certainly i mean considering the first time we ever talked together was 10 minutes before we started starcade 83 <laughs> uh, just me and you parv have really developed kind of a bond through that so i look forward to going through 92 and continue doing this so thanks to everybody that still listens yeah, well, amen to all of that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just something that I, I guess, take for granted as a part of my life now. But this is just, uh, but, you know, of all the shows I do, this one is still the mothership in my mind. Um, so there we go. <laughs> the mothership, baby. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, what, what are we doing next? The, um... Next will be a Clash 18. Um, which which is a fun show. Um, has the Van Hammer, Cactus Jack, Street Fight, a uh, couple of Dangerous Alliance matches. So it's it's probably a pretty good show to ease into '92 as a year. We're so close to Jesse. <laughs> well, well, the, yeah, the, he is. He, he makes his debut on that show. Oh, he's, oh I, he comes on the Clash 18. Yeah, he's announced. Oh, I thought yeah. his AD was on the the uh, Super Brawl. No, I know oh. he's announced. I think he announces the main event. I can't remember for sure. I know he comes out, but yeah, he, he, he doesn't commentate on the show, right? I think he may commentate on the main event. I'm not 100 percent sure. I can't remember, but I definitely know he's there. Well, we're about to enter into one of the best stretches in any promotion ever in my mind so i'm very excited to revisit it all 
All right. So join us then. Fans, for all of us here at WCW Center Stage, for Cowboy Bill Watts and the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, I'm Jim Ross saying good night, everybody.